Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for April 2020. My name is Jonathan Leung, the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, even though it is somewhat more remote than usual, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how you doing? Uh, just getting new, uh, used to the new normal, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, and I think they heard your dogs barking during the intro there, Tim. We got, like, we got a little bit of background noise there. Um, guys, you'll have to bear with us. We're still trying to figure out all this tech stuff, so hopefully it'll go well as we go forward with this. But we do, we are both here, even though we're, we're kind of, uh, working in different locations at this point. But, uh, Tim, before we get started, on the special after show, which I don't know if everybody saw, but on the special after show, you did talk about a career change. So why don't you go ahead, for those who didn't watch that, and go ahead and give kind of an update on your stats with Mr. Gaddies and, and what's going on with you as far as your job is concerned. Yeah, well, it had been, um, I'd been offered a job and uh, I hadn't taken it, but until all this kind of happened, it was uh, kind of pushed me in that direction. As uh, Gaddy's did close down uh, temporarily during the COVID break, as the governor said that nobody could, you know, most of the business there was from the arcade and people, big groups and stuff. So we tried to do to-go orders, but it just wasn't working very good. You know, John, you've been there before. It's it's not even good for curbside. We have a huge front that's blocked off, so you actually have to park and walk about 20, 30 feet. Um, so we just weren't doing enough business to stay open. So, uh, we made the decision to go ahead and close for now, um, laid off everybody. And then, so I, uh, was a little concerned and went ahead and took another job. And, um, I think that it's going to be a good career move for me. Uh, if everybody can see my hat, I'm going back my very first job ever as a teenager in 1985 was with Dairy Queen, and so I have some experience there, and they offered me a good position where I'm going to be traveling in between stores and doing some training and things like that, so I went back to work for Dairy Queen, and I was only laid off for about a week. Um, thank goodness that the drive through and the drive through here has been pretty busy. Uh, people are trying to support us and just drive through and get their food and take it home, and uh, lots of precautions are being taken, of course, uh, to make sure it's safe and uh, that we're using gloves and everybody's washing their hands and that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, yeah, it was a, was a different, it's going to be different. I First place I've worked at in uh, 20 years, it doesn't have an arcade. But uh, maybe I'll get some games in the lobby or something before it's all over with. Go. Now, obviously, yeah, like you said, Dairy Queen, not a amusement-type uh, chain, which is okay, I think, in this particular climate because it seems like those are getting hit a little bit more hard than uh, some of the just regular food chains are. You mentioned that Dairy Queen seems to be doing really well right now, which is a really good thing. So, 
Yeah, I noticed that uh, Dave and Buster's earnings call was today. I didn't get to make it. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Sixteen percent interesting. What would... from expected? Okay, they see everybody was doing so good though too, and I think that that's part of the uh, what's frustrating right now is I think the economy was doing good, things were doing good, people's jobs were doing good, and then all of a sudden this. So. Uh, maybe we'll get we'll get back there. I'm sure. Sounds good. Well, Tim, uh, before we get started, I do want to recognize some of the people in the live chat and remind people that you can interact with us during the show by leaving your messages in the live chat, uh, questions, comments, whatever you have. And Tim, one of our moderators is here tonight, Louie, of course, who does a lot of posts on our Facebook page, and he will also be moderating the live chat for us this evening. So thank you, Louie, for doing that. Uh, Shingo is here. He says hi. Josh B says evening. Uh, Jason Steverson says what's up. Uh, let's see what else we got here. The the real hammer Billy Lee says hey guys. Uh, and then of course we had some behind the scenes chat Tim where I think they could hear you but they couldn't hear me before the show started. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean you know we didn't say anything inappropriate. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, everything not. is okay. Sorry, so um, we're good there. But uh, obviously guys we're going to be doing what we do every time we do a live show. We'll be taking your questions and we'll also be going over some of the questions from previous live shows and some questions we've gotten since the last live show. And uh, also, if you feel so inclined, make sure that you uh, click the little dollar sign down below there that uh, allows you to donate to us. We would be very uh, very appreciative if you would do that or if you would like to donate in a different way, maybe via PayPal, you can do that by going to arcaderepairtips.com slash donate. Now, Tim, obviously... We're not the only cause out there that you can donate to, and uh, we I think if we do get money tonight, more than likely we're going to apply that to uh, some other charities that we know of. So if you guys do want to give us some money tonight, we'll probably be forwarding that along, because at this point, Tim, there are more important efforts going on than arcade repair tips. So. You might you can mention, John, the shirt I'm wearing. Yeah, so speaking of supporting different events and things, Tim is rocking a a Texas pinball shirt that we just ordered for him out of the Arcade Repair Tips Fund to help support the show because one of the things we'll be talking about later this evening is that the Texas Pinball Festival did not happen, and so they're looking for you to support. And you can do that by going to texaspinball.com and buying some items from their store. We know that Louie, Tim, also ordered some items from their store to help support the show. Uh, Tim, obviously the Texas Pinball Festival has been a staple for us. We have, you know, we have not been every year, but we have been most years, and we know the organizers of the show. We're very friendly with them, and they're good friends of ours. And so, if there's any way that you can help, we do recommend going to TexasPinball.com and trying to buy something from their store, whether that's a shirt or a grab bag, or they've got a lot of different things that you can order at this time. And Tim, they did have some Texas Pinball 2020 like T-shirts and things, but it looks like they've taken those down while they check some inventory. So, if you want one of those, you may have to wait. But again, guys, we're we're really sad that they had to cancel, and we hope that you'll go to TexasPinball.com and support them, just like uh, we did. So, But uh, Regzer Show just chimed in. He says, hey, guys, good luck with the new job. Yeah, he says, good luck with the new job, Tim. Thank you. you So, Tim, I think we all are... We're all caught up on the live chat at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and review some of the questions and follow-ups that we got from the previous show real quick. So the first one we have here is from Daniel Tim, and this was regarding the 39-in-1 monitor issue that he had. And he says, amazing, thank you for the info and sending the live stream link. Your solution did help me out, and it is working now. I really do appreciate it. And he also sent another follow-up email saying, hi, just wanted to thank you for your advice in getting my multi to work again. Very cool that you asked the question live on your channel. Yeah, and that's what we do here, right, Tim? We actually answer those questions. And Tim, if I remember correctly, Daniel's question was from the last show in which he was trying to get a computer monitor working with his 39-in-1 board, and we told him to switch the dip switch, and apparently that got it working. So it's we're glad to hear the follow-up on that, Daniel, and uh, good luck with your future arcade projects. 
Let's see what else we got here. Another follow-up from Josh. And this was concerning the isolation transformer, Tim. If you remember, he had a question about the isolation transformer and how that all worked. And he said, finally got a chance to catch up on this episode via the podcast. Thanks very much for answering my question about the isolation transformer. I feared it was pretty reliable and safe to keep the original, but I feel better about it now that you guys have weighed in with your experience. I kept the old transformer, installed the new power supply, and everything works great. CRT image looks very nice, and I haven't done a cap kit or anything. And so, Tim, you know, we're kind of under that whole thing where it's like, um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So isolation transformers uh, for sure because, you know, they're very reliable like we talked about in the previous episode with Josh's question. And, you know, if you don't have to replace them, you know, don't. Keep it in there and typically they'll run for a good long while and if they do die... They usually just die and you just need to replace it. So, I mean, not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of repair to do on that. Like I said, a lot of times we'll just do a replacement for the most part. But uh, it's good to hear feedback, Tim, on these two questions from the last show. Always good to get follow-ups and things like that, right? Oh, yeah. I always like to hear back because a lot of times we never know, um, what happened or even if they have a follow-up issue or something or it didn't work, sometimes we can point them in a different direction. So by all means, Please keep the follow-up questions coming. Absolutely. So, Tim, before I get into the actual questions, I'm going to go ahead and check back in with the live chat. And it's that Louie actually posted a link to the Texas Pinball site where they can go to buy some items. So, uh, you guys, again, encouraging you guys to go there if you can. Purchase something. Help out the show because, obviously, they didn't have a show. So, they weren't able to, to you know, raise the money that they would normally get from admission fees and stuff. So, if you want to see a Texas Pinball Festival 2021, you should probably invest in something from the store at this point. So... Uh, we also have YouTube Punk is here. He says, hello there. And he said, just donated via PayPal, Tim. Thank you so much, YouTube Punk. We really appreciate it. So that, oh, thumbs up. There you go, Tim. So uh, YouTube Punk says, new job. I missed the intro. So you want to catch him up real quick since he missed the beginning there? Yeah, I left uh, Gaddy's when all this uh, COVID kind of stuff shut him down for temporarily. I do think they will restructure and reopen. But in the meantime, I went back to work for Dairy Queen, uh, which I worked for my very first job. And I'm uh, doing some uh, area like general manager for them. So it'll be uh, an interesting challenge for me for sure. I've been going in about 530 in the morning and uh, working to about 4 in the evening. So, uh, you know, definitely getting up early and uh, having having to do some – different type of work, but something I'm catching on, I think, pretty quick. Now, we should mention the reason you have to go in so early is because the Dairy Queens here actually open for breakfast, right? Right. They serve breakfast. So that's basically part of the reason is to get everything set up because at 7 a.m. we open and start serving breakfast. There you go. So... Um, but anyway, so that's the catch-up for YouTube, Punk. Let me go back to the live chat here. Um, let's see. Oh, Josh B. Uh, Josh, who asked the isolation transformer question, is actually in the live chat here, and he says thanks again, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> YouTube Punk says D- DQ Country. That's right. Uh, thanks for the recap. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, I think we're all caught up. And he has his DQ hat on if you don't see it. So there it is right there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tim, I think we're, like I said, we're caught up on the live chat for the moment. So let us go ahead and roll into some of the questions for this month, Tim. And the first one we have is from Gary. So I'm going to put that up here real quick. And Gary says, hi there. I have just inherited a Williams Defender from my brother-in-law. Love the game, but this has issues. Powers up fine. The picture, etc. all look mint. The problem is the thrust and firing buttons. They work only sporadically, which means you can't play the game at all. 
All other buttons appear to work just fine. Any advice, please, for a rookie with no way of getting pro help, quarantine times. Tim, how appropriate, right? <laughs> Obviously, this well, is a right. recent question because <laughs> you wouldn't have put that in right. at any other time that we've been around, right? So quarantine times right no. there. So, uh, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and bring us back here. So Gary's got a Williams Defender, Tim. It sounds like he inherited it, which means that he got it for free. It's always good to get games for free. But the problem is that the thrust and firing buttons are only working, and he says sporadically, intermittently may be a good way to term it. What do you think is going on, and what can Gary do to get these buttons working more regularly? Well, if it's the original Defender-style buttons, which it probably is, uh, almost everyone I've ever seen, they have a couple leaf switches underneath as, as you hit it. A lot of times you just have to adjust those, and you can. Um, we can take a pair of small, I like the really thin needle nose pliers, the really skinny ones, and you can bend that just a little bit to where make it to where it doesn't. Uh, as you push the button, there's two leaf switches. See if I can make this with my hand. And one of them is tapping the bottom one. As they connect, that's when you're firing or whatever. So sometimes you can either bend the bottom a little or the top one. Just get them to where they're really close so it doesn't take much to make that connection. And I would assume... That's his problem. Now, if they've been changed over the years, and maybe it has more of a cherry style, still the same issue a lot of times, or it could be the wires going to it, reflowing the solder to those. But most of the time, you just have those old leaf switch. They get kind of corroded. Uh, they get oxidized over the years. But most of the time I've ever seen um, that it just needs a little bit of tweaking. Now, I know some of our suppliers actually carry uh, something for for that to clean those with. I highly recommend getting the proper tool to do it with. But um, in the meantime, I have seen a lot of guys take like a credit card or something and put in the between there to kind of make a space. And then when you remove the credit card, it seems like it's just about right. Um, also, I've seen people use your, your wife's nail file or something. You can kind of get up in there or a little piece of sandpaper just to knock some of that oxidation off. But most of the lot, more than likely, it doesn't sound like that it's too big a problem. Now, if you can bypass, you could take a jumper wire and jumper those. And if you're still having some fire problems or something, then you may have a chip or something on your board. That should come up probably in the checks when your system is booting up. But most of the time, it just needs a weekend. There you go. Usually not a big There you deal. go, Tim. And I'm going to go ahead and basically put up an outline, a little screen here that says exactly what you just said. Um, so arcade push mm -hmm. buttons are comprised of two parts, a plastic button and an inner spring combination piece and switch. And a switch. When the button is depressed, it makes contact with the switch. And like Tim, he, he kind of, you kind of made like a little duck with your hands there, Tim. Uh, it says, um, whenever it makes contact with the switch, sends a signal to the board that the connection is closed. The signal is sent via two wires connected to the switch, one wire that corresponds to the button action and a ground wire. On older games like Defender, obviously they use leaf switches typically, Tim, like we talked about. These can be adjusted to be more or less sensitive by adjusting the distance between the two leaf prongs. And then Tim, something else that you brought up was the fact that you can actually clean those with like, you know, a nail file, some, some really, uh, really kind of fine sandpaper or something like that, that you can kind of get in there just to knock that oxidation off and help that connection. But Tim, a lot of times we'll take some needle, needle nose pliers and kind of just bend maybe either the bottom or the top down just a bit to help that connection. And so I think 
either the maybe knocking some oxidation off with the sandpaper or using some needle nose and bending one of those leaf prongs either up or down just a bit will probably help that connection to be more stable, kind of like you mentioned, Tim. Do you have anything else for Gary here before we move on? No, I don't think so, but I think, Gary, don't don't fret over it too much. This is usually a pretty easy fix. Right, exactly. And so the, the nice thing is that it is working intermittently, like you mentioned, Tim, which usually leads us to the actual button, the actual switch. But it is possible, like Tim mentioned, that you do have a, a input-output issue on your board. And if you do, like Tim mentioned, that will usually come up in the self-test. Williams Games have a really good self-test that they do. And so if you are having that problem, more than likely you're going to see it there. But um, maybe not, and so you may want to just try, like Tim mentioned, touching the two wires together to see if it makes that connection every time. And if it does, more than likely it's in your switch. So Gary, hopefully that answers your question and good luck with your repair on your Williams Defender game. Okay, Tim, we got some live chat action here. We got Mr. Dwayne. He says, hey guys, glad to see a live show. Missed the Tuesday show. Yeah, the Tuesday show was more just a test for this show, right, Tim? It was just a way that we could kind of test the tech to make sure this was actually doable. And it was, which is the good news. So um, we are actually both able to be on the show. You get to see Tim, you get to see me. So it's almost like we're in the same room like usual, but a little bit different. I think I'm going to have to buy Tim some uh, software where he can change the background to his uh, little thing there. We may have to do Uh that. But uh, other than that, we're both here and... uh, and uh, taking questions. So we're glad that you're here as well, Mr. Dwayne. And then Josh B. Tim just donated $10. Thank you so much, Josh. So we appreciate that so much. And like I said, we're going to try to find somewhere to send our portion of this money that goes to a good cause because, Tim, there's so many people on the front lines right now fighting. I think about nurses and doctors and delivery people and all that kind of stuff right now. And uh, restaurants, obviously, Tim, like you mentioned, when Mr. Gaze is closed down, there's a lot of people who I think are in need that uh, this money could go to. So if you are donating tonight, we're going to try to find a, a good charity or something to give that money to so we can help those people out. Uh, Louis went ahead and posted a link to adjusting a leaf switch, Tim, which will help out. And it looks like that's on homepinballrepair.com. Pinball machines, Tim, obviously you use a leaf switch typically for the flippers. So, um, you know, if you if um, if you find a pinball side, a lot of times you'll see a lot of tips on leaf switches. Uh, let's see. Russell says contact points could be dirty as well. And that is correct. Kind of like what you're talking about, Tim. So, you know, you take some fine grade sandpaper or a nail file or even just cleaning it sometimes with a cloth is enough. So you may want to clean those up. Jason says, squeeze a piece of paper between the leaves and pull it out. Repeat until it's clean. Do that too. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to clean leaf switches, Tim. We've done a lot of different things over the years. but uh, And also the bending, we've bent a lot of them just to make sure. We really want to ensure that that connection is being made. Because sometimes you'll hit the button and it'll contact like every other time, which will cause that intermittent uh, connection that he, Gary is kind of experiencing. So... Okay, I think we're ready to go on here. Oh, hang on a second. Josh has a question. He says, it's a screenshot to go with a question I have about my screen test on my Neo Geo. I'm wondering if it's likely a cap problem or something else I can adjust out. I didn't want to start fiddling with pots willy-nilly until I get some opinions. Josh, you can send that to our normal email address at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Or if you want to send it to me or Tim directly, you can do Jonathan or Tim at arcaderepairtips.com and we'll help you check it out. So obviously, I don't think we can post photos in the live chat but if you want to uh, go ahead and send it there we can uh, we can look at it here in a little bit so okay tim with that said let us continue on and now tim this next question is actually two questions but they were so similar that i went ahead and grouped them together uh so this is from dylan the first one's from dylan the second one is from jason but the questions themselves are pretty much asking the same questions so i'm going to read both of them and then we'll answer them both together 
So Dylan says, I have a Super Contra unit and it was working really good until we moved and now it won't turn on. We can't figure out what it is. If you have any idea or can help in any way, I would really be thankful for that. If not, thanks anyway. So that's Dylan's question, Tim. Then we got Jason here and he says, I recently resurfaced my man cave and had to move my game out to the garage. When I moved it back in, it wouldn't turn on. I didn't drop it, but I'm guessing the transfer was a little too rough. I know this isn't much to go on, but in your best estimation, what would be the most likely problem based on the info I gave you? Thanks. And Tim, I went ahead and put these two together because they're both about moving a game and it not turning on, right? So, I mean, they're basically the same question. And so instead of doing two different questions, I thought we'll just group these two together and we'll give them both the same answer because they're pretty much on the same, on the same wavelength here. And, uh, and I think for the most part, you'll be able to handle both of them with one. So what do you think about Dylan and Jason's question? What do you think's going on with these games that were previously moved and now when they're moved back, they don't turn on? Don't move your games, not even. <laughs> just because, don't move uh, them at all. We, we've said, yeah, we've said this before, though. It seems like it does happen a lot, especially when you move a game. Normally, it is something simple. Um, we use the term ASAP, which we say always start at power. So you, it could be anything. It could be a short in your plug. It, most of the time, it's just something as simple as an interlock switch where the door didn't get closed or now it's a little off that switch and it's just not able to power on. Um, very rarely is it anything very serious. Um, so I know you've got probably got a slide to show Jonathan and you can bring that up whenever you want. But most of the time, you know, it's just something simple that gets jarred loose. Occasionally a fuse will get loose or blow. Uh, but it's in the power somewhere because obviously it was working and then you move it and it's not. Um, usually if you'll follow that power cord into the back of the game and then to where it goes, it could even got unplugged from the monitor or something come jarred loose or even at your power supply, you know, those little fork prongs, sometimes they will come out if they're not screwed in really tight. If you just lose one of them, you'll lose all your power. Yeah. So, so I went ahead and put up the slide here, Tim. And on the slide, and I know you can't, Tim, unfortunately, cannot see the slide, but I put up the um, the real Bob Roberts AC wiring diagram that he has, Tim, that kind of shows the flow of AC power through an arcade cabinet. And what we would recommend for both these is obviously to use the ASAP me- method, like you mentioned, Tim. Always start at power. We like this approach on most repairs, but especially when the game will not turn on at all. Right, Tim? So first off, make sure that the game is getting power from the wall. Check that the cord is in good shape, the power switch is on. Trace the AC voltage through to ensure that all of the correct components are getting power. And when we say correct components, we're talking about make sure the AC is going through the AC filter, through to the power switch, through to if there's a power distribution block in your game, that's going to that. And then it goes to the AC on the switching power supply and on the isolation transformer and on the marquee. And if you find a gap where you're not getting AC power... Um, out of something that you should be, then you may want to see what may be causing that. And so, like, let's say it's not coming out of the other side of the of the um, power switch. You could have a faulty power switch. It's, it's uh, possible. Or a distribution block. It could be miswired, things like that. So trace the AC wiring through your game. Ensure all components are getting power. Now, Tim mentioned interlock switches. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tim mentioned interlock switches, and I've got a picture of an interlock switch here, Tim. And we actually talked about that on the last show, if you remember. Uh, we had a question about interlock switches. But these are switches that are put on the back of the of the back door, sometimes on the coin door, so that when these 
doors are open, basically the game shuts off. Now, sometimes you have to have those depressed in order for the game to come back on. Sometimes these will malfunction and will not press in all the way, and so it won't engage the switch. But like we mentioned last month, Tim, you can pull these out, and that should engage it as well. So that's the other thing that we we mentioned. But those are really the the main places. You really just want to ensure that you're getting AC power all the way through to to the individual parts of your um, cabinet, including, like I said, isolation transformer, switching power supply, marquee light, all those good things. So, Tim, is there anything else here you have for Dylan and Jason before we move on? No, I don't think so. Like I said, uh, there's really about only a few things that it probably could be, but it could be any of them. You could, even your power switch could have just got jarred or not working right. So it's in the power somewhere. If you'll just start tracking it around, you'll usually find it. Sounds good. So Dylan and Jason hopefully answers your question. We hope you get both your cabinets working. I think we had a Super Contra and a Miss Pac-Man Gallagher, right, Tim? So um, obviously yeah. we wanted to get both those. Actually, Jason did not say, but I believe Jason had a Miss Pac-Man Gallagher. It was in the subject line. I didn't put it there. But uh, in either case, Tim, tracing that AC wiring through the cabinet should should lead you to where the issue is. So if you need additional help with that, you, of course you can email us back. But hopefully that answers your question, and we'll get both your games up and running very soon. So Tim, here we have some more. Um, we have some more chat room stuff, some more live chat stuff. Danny says, "Speaking of isolation transformers, I'm getting ready to install one. Kind of new to me, as it has a secondary and a primary. Which one goes to the monitor, and how many grounds do I need?" And Tim, Louis was nice enough to actually post a link to the um, to the uh, to a article that talks about how to wire up an isolation transformer. So okay, uh, I would recommend. Good. I'm just going to refer him to that instead. I mean, because. I can never remember. I'd have to look at one like right now to be, to be able to tell you. But, um, but you know, it just depends. Every isolation transformer is a little bit different. Some of them have an isolation transformer and an AC transformer kind of built into it. So it really depends on which one you have. But hopefully the article will help you out with that. And if you if you send us a picture of your isolation transformer, we can tell you. But, Tim, just from our experience, usually the input comes in from the bottom and the output comes out from the top, right? That's the best way yeah. to say it. So, I mean, yeah. that's typically the way we wire it up. Um, I don't I don't think I've seen one that's any different than that. I'm not saying they don't exist, but uh, most of the time, input comes in from the bottom of the isolation transformer. Output goes out the top of the isolation transformer. So, you may have one that's different. Just refer to, um, like I said, either that article or to wherever you bought your isolation transformer. Hopefully, they can give you more information on that. And then Russell donated $20. Tim, we want to thank Russell for that. Uh, wow. Hopefully we can find a really good place for all the money that's coming in tonight. We want to thank you guys for your support and donations. And like I said, we're going to try to find a good organization to donate to because there's a lot of people who are in need right now. And uh, we just want to help them out as best we can. So, But uh, anyway, so we got that. And it looks like we're caught up. Cool. Okay, so we're going to continue on here. Tim, I don't know. It's, it's different not having you here. I'm used to like just being able to do this you know and uh, obviously i can't do that tonight so um and i haven't actually seen you in person i mean and i'm sure a lot of people are like this you probably haven't seen your friends in person for like weeks at this point i the last time i saw you tim was when we did the last live show um which was the beginning of march right yes i think we both have really tried to practice social distancing and you know we we make a few runs here and there just to the grocery store or to dollar general just real quick uh, I think we did get in the truck one night and just drive to kind of get out of the house. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's the the wise thing that we, we do. And, and it's kind of convenient for both of us because I hadn't been off work very right. long. And uh, it kind of worked out anyway. But, um, yeah, we all got to be careful and, 
you know, if people would just uh, stay inside and do what they're supposed to, uh, hopefully this won't last too much longer. Agreed. And, you know, it's just... It really is a bummer, Tim. I mean, obviously this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this. And so it's just a really crazy um, time right now. But hopefully we're going to get past this very soon. I'm, I'm trying to stay as optimistic as possible. Obviously a lot of the estimates have us inside until May. But if we can get to May and get out of here... I'm I'm very much I'll be very happy with that. If we have to go further, then we'll continue on. But uh, I'm really really hoping and praying at this point that we're able to get out of our houses here in May and and actually be social again. So, but anyway, okay, I'm going to continue on here, Tim. We got another question, and this one is from Gerson, Tim. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw it up here for the viewers at home. Okay, Gerson says, "Hi, I was wondering if you know why the screen of our NBA Jam arcade looks like squished." Looks like squished. And if you know how to fix yeah. it. Now, Tim, um, obviously I sent you the outline so Tim can see the outline. He doesn't see it like you guys see it. Yeah. But you did see the picture. And so based on the picture that yeah, we have there from Gerson, what do you think the problem is? Well, I think it's classic starting to get vertical collapse. So before his vertical IC or something goes bad, a lot of times this is where we say, uh, don't play it. Go ahead and try to do a cap kit. A lot of times you can fix that before it goes completely uh before you flatline right. you know so we don't want to do that most of the time a cap a good cap kit you know of course we could get into specific cats but while you're in there you might as well do the whole monitor and fix it so i think a cap kit will probably fix this problem and he needs to do that asap yeah and one of the things here and not always start at power right <laughs> as soon as right. possible in this <laughs> right. particular case uh, one of the things that's a dead giveaway on this, Tim, is the foldover at the top to me. Because that's really yeah. that vertical foldover. When we start seeing that, that's a really big indicator of caps. And so I'm going to go, I'm going to throw this back up here for the people to see. You'll see that the names, and it's kind of hard to see in the slide, but they're starting to invert over. And when you start to see the kind of foldover effect, Tim, that's very reminiscent of a cap kit or a cap about to die. And like you said, you could get into the specifics about doing like the vertical section. Just want to do the caps in the vertical section. But if you haven't done a cap kit in a while, just order a whole kit, do the whole kit, and touch up the solder while you're in there. It'll make a world of difference in your picture. So I agree with you in this particular case, Tim. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw up our slides so we can tell the people at home. So based on the picture, it looks like it's time for a cap kit. The vertical foldover effect at the top is one of the major indicators of capacitor failure. Please see our post for installing a cap kit for more information. Now, Tim, I don't know how familiar Gerson is with the cap you know, with ordering cap kits and things like that. So I put some additional information on here for him. You will need to determine the make and model of your monitor chassis in order to, you know, in order to know which cap kit to order. See the What's My Monitor page on the Real Bob Roberts site for help. And Tim, there's more websites where you can find monitor pictures and things. We just really like the Real Bob Roberts. You know, back when Rob, when yeah. Bob was actually open, we ordered stuff from him all the time. And uh, he was always a great resource, and he still has a bunch of great information on his website. So go to the What's My Monitor page on the Real Bob Roberts site for help. If you do a search for What's My Monitor, Bob Roberts, you'll find it. Um, the cap kits that we like can be purchased from Syracuse Semiconductor. That's um, the people we usually purchase our cap kits from. But, Tim, obviously, if you go to our resources page, we've got a lot of people who sell cap kits. So that's arcaderepairtips.com slash resources. So if you don't want to do Syracuse Semiconductor, you can do one of the other one of the other parts suppliers that we have on on that resources page. But Syracuse Semiconductor has worked well for us in the past. We've ordered a lot of cat kits from them, and we do recommend them for you. Tim, is there anything else that you want to say to Gerson before we move on? 
No, I don't think so. I think that should fix his okay, issue. Okay, sounds good. So Gerson hopefully answers your question, and good luck getting that NBA Jam screen looking 100% perfect. Hopefully you can get it there after a cap kit. Okay, it looks like it's slowing down in the live chat here, Tim. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to another question. And Tim, this was one of my favorites that we got this month. And so that's why I wanted to include yeah, it on here. Um, but um, And he actually sent in a picture, which is a really great picture. But I think there's a lot of people, and this is something we really haven't covered, but there are a lot of people who may have experienced this um, through some difficult circumstances. I think we have experienced this through some difficult circumstances. So um, I, I think this is a great question. But let's take this one from Matt real, real quick, Tim. Uh, it says, Hi, I have watched and enjoyed a few of your videos, but I haven't seen this issue come up. I have a neck board for a monitor that has snapped over time. Do you have any advice on how to fix this? I was thinking maybe I could just connect wires from point to point and bypass the trace. Otherwise, there are a few videos that suggest the epoxy method, which involves scratching back these traces and can, and reconnecting directly look forward to hearing from you thanks matt so tim um, we have matt here and obviously he's got a neck board that has broken in half so for for those people who may be new tim the neck board is the part of the monitor chassis that actually plugs onto the back of the tube and so it cracks a lot because if that back door falls off or falls onto the neck board, it can cause damage. Or if the neck board, um, it, you know, gets, like falls off during shipping and, and something lands on it in the cabinet, it can crack. Um, we, we've had a lot of circumstances where neck boards crack. And so what Matt's asking is he's basically brought up two different methods here of doing the repair, but he's asking like, which one should he do? Should he just connect the wires from point to point and bypass the trace completely? Or should he try scratching back the uh, individual uh, traces actually on the circuit board and reconnecting them. What do you recommend and what, sh what do you recommend for Matt if those are two different things? Well, you know, I've done it before, Jonathan, pushing it on there right. before and putting on too much force and actually cracked sure. one. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a tomato-tomato type deal. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Now, if it's just a couple of traces, I usually just jumper them with a wire. Uh, if you're getting down to where you're pairing a bunch of wires that can kind of get kind of scrambled and stuff in there. And uh, if you're really worried about making a good connection, it is wise to kind of etch that back and really get that on there if you have the room and can do that. Um, one thing I, I don't even think you mentioned in the in the slide, Jonathan, that you're fixing to show. Um, but yeah, you need, it can get kind of scrambled, but all that's what they do. Those traces connect two points. So as long as you connect those points, uh, what I have done before, too, let's say it was a capacitor that I was connecting to. I put a brand new capacitor through there, and you instead of cutting the leg of that capacitor really short, I let the leg fold over and used it kind of as my trace before. Uh, that's something that I have done in the past. I mean, I said, you understand the, the ideal here is probably just to replace it. Uh, when it's broken, cracked, but sometimes you don't have that choice or you're, maybe it's not that bad. You're just a trace or two. I say if you're replacing more than four or five traces, you might as well replace it. But just for a few traces, uh, a little thin jumper wire, uh, is not too bad. Um, if there's a lot of, some high voltage, you might want to use a little thicker wire. Uh, just be careful. Make sure that you're not, your solder's not touching another wire. I have created more of a problem by trying to do this. And then, uh, I think you, 
We're going to recommend that we put a little epoxy or something. Uh, one thing that I like to use and have used a lot in the past is uh, just some hot glue uh, to keep the wires down. So you don't have to glue the whole wire, but maybe a point here and a point there and maybe a point here. You can just use that hot glue and kind of uh, take it down to the board. I just don't like a lot of wires all running around and stuff. But uh, anyway, that's my opinion. I, I've replaced this several times. Most of the time, if it's completely broken half, I would probably just replace and, it. And, but it just depends on how many you're right, doing. And, and here's the thing too, Tim, though, is that it's getting less and less feasible to just replace them because obviously finding that's compatible true. neck boards is a little bit more difficult. And so I think more and more people are going to start repairing these. And Tim, um, I don't know, I, Matt's picture, I kind of cropped it. It actually had a crack pretty much all the way down the board. So I mean it was I yeah. mean it was about ooh probably about a quarter of the board that was cracked off the side. And so and it was I mean it was like it cracked straight off. And so I mean right. and obviously it's still hanging on. You can see it's still hanging on a little bit, but it's obviously something that does need to be repaired. So Tim, I'm going to just put up a slide that has exactly what you basically talked about here. Um so typically we would use jumper jumper wires like Tim mentioned or and or component legs. And Tim, you mentioned leaving that little bit of a cap leg on like a capacitor or on a transistor or whatever resistor so that you can kind of bridge it over with that. Tim, a lot of people will cut, if you know, you keep those little, um, the little parts of the cap legs when you do your cap kit and you can solder those across too and use those as a bridge. I've heard people use that as well. But you yeah. can use those kind of things to repair the electronic parts of the board and then we'll come back with some epoxy on the top side or you can do it on the back. We like it on the top so we can see the electronics but um, um, just to make this, just to give it some strength because that's what we want. We want it to be strong so that it doesn't crack in half again or, or crack again and so you can actually use some epoxy on the top side of the board for the physical repair. Tim mentioned using hot glue. It's not a bad idea either you can use hot glue as well now tim mentioned it kind of looks weird with that though i mean if you do the jumper wire method it can get a little bit spaghetti is what i call it tim i, I forgot what you what you said yeah. but jumbled or whatever I mean, it can look a little bit a little bit like spaghetti if you're not careful so that's why a lot of people have gone to um, just connecting the board straight. And so what they do, Tim, is they take an X-Acto and they just scrape back the solder mask, which is that little green part of the board, right? Like where the stuff is. So that uh -huh. way they can put the board together and just solder, basically put a little bit of solder or bridge the solder over between the traces. Or you can use, like we talked about, little um, little component legs or something like that to just kind of give it that little bit of a bridge. So that's another way to do it. Um, and you can do it that way. It's just not a way that we do as often. It seems like we're more inclined to use the jumper wires than, than going straight, you know, to the other side of the board. But like Tim mentioned, if you've got a lot of points, if you're doing, you know, if the place where it cracked has like, you know, 20 or 15 or 20 points that you're having to reconnect, traces that you're having to bridge over, it may be worth scraping back that solder mask and, and going ahead and connecting it together. And so it really depends on what your preference is or how many solder points that you have to work with. But um, both, both are good. Tim, I still just really want to say that you need something to strengthen that board. So even if you connect the components electronically, um, whether it's via jumper wires, component legs, or whether it's just soldering, you know, bridging the solder over across, you still need an epoxy or something to hold the board together. Because you, what you That's definitely right. don't want to do is you definitely don't want the board cracking again. And so the epoxy will make sure that doesn't happen. So regardless of the method, you know, it really just depends. It really just depends on you, but make sure you use something to strengthen the board after the repair. But other than that, Tim, I think that about covers it. Any other uh, advice for Matt as far as repairing his neck board? No, I don't think okay, so. Okay, sounds, 
I would like to hear kind of, uh, this is one of those I would love to get a feedback response Sounds from. good. So Matt, whatever method you end up using, please let us know and let us know how the whole process goes and uh, and we look forward to hearing an update soon. So, Okay, it looks like we got a little bit more action in the live chat, Tim. Um, Gerson is actually in the live chat uh, about his NBA Jam and he says, awesome, I have no idea how to do that, but I will check your other videos <laughs> and that is very good advice. Right. Um, we mentioned the installing yep. a cap kit, so make sure you check the post and the video for installing a cap kit if you go to arcaderepairtips.com and you can just click on the search, installing a cap kit, it'll come right up. Watch that video and read the post and it'll give you everything you need to know about that process. So again, installing a cap kit, Gerson's going to help you out a bunch uh let's see youtube punk says duct tape should have been one of the answers that we used to uh to come back with <laughs> unfortunately i don't think duct tape in this particular case is strong enough to hold the board together for any length of time maybe it could i don't know but um obviously we're going to recommend a nice uh, epoxy or something like that to give it that strength uh, michael says do you think the virus will flood the market with games since people are out of work and need income now tim kind of off topic from a repair question but i do think it's a very interesting question so what do you think do you think we're going to see the market flood with arcade games at this time i think we're starting to maybe see some of that i mean just when i'm searching around already maybe not like a mass dump but tim i'll tell you one thing i have seen for sure is that some of these you know um bar i want to say barcades or arcade bars some of these arcade bars are starting to sell some of their games i've seen it tim and so i mean that's kind of sad in a way but you got to do what you got to do to survive so right i think that um yeah, the sad part of it is is that a lot of your major chains, your Dave & Buster's, Chuck E. Cheese's, uh, even Mr. Gaddy's and stuff, I think will survive. A lot of the mom and pops are really struggling right now. And um, so, you know, our prayers and stuff are with them. But at the same time, you know, it's the natural circle of things. We've seen plenty of places that go out of business. I think that uh, we will see some that probably will not be able to survive this, even with government help or whatever that we do. You just can't be out of business and survive too long, you know, just like uh, most of us. If we don't get income, uh, there's no outcome. You know, we don't have a way to do things. So I hope that um, if it's short-lived, most people can take a hit. And I think that that's one thing when we are able to get back out, uh, don't go don't go crazy until the, the, the safety is over. But when it is, you know, everybody should be supporting their local arcade and their local fa- family entertainment center. Um, and, and even now, one way, John, that I know that people are doing, let's say you can't go to Dave & Buster's or Chuck E. Cheese, but you could probably go online and buy uh, gift cards or something to use later. So that would help them, even your your local mom and pop places, most everybody has gift cards. So maybe you could go buy some gift cards to be used at a different time if you have the income and you yourself can do it. And like you said, if you have the income, I think right now, I mean, if you're struggling right now, you know, I understand not everybody has the capability right now to to help out some of these arcades. But if you do have the capability to do that, I mean, obviously, we bought a Texas pinball shirt for Tim. I also, Tim, bought a T-shirt from uh, ArcadeHeroes.com, which, you know, is uh, Adam, who's the guy who runs that site. He also owns an arcade in Utah. And so um, I bought a shirt off his website to help him out as well because right now his arcade is closed. So, you know, if you know of an arcade near you or people that you want to support, you know, if you if you have the means right now, buy some of their merchandise, buy a gift card or whatever you can do to help out because obviously there's a lot of people out there, Tim, who need it. So if you have the means right now, and I know not everybody does, but if you have the means right now, try to help uh, some of these places.
places that that need the help. So if it's I don't know if it's a free play arcade or an arcade bar near you, or maybe it's just like we said a, a convention that had to close, like the Texas Pinball Festival. Maybe it's a maybe it's a traditional arcade like what Adam has at ArcadeHeroes.com. Whatever the case may be, do your part and try to help out if you can. I, I mean, it really makes a difference here because um, I think a lot of these arcade bars and things are going to have a real tough going, especially if they they're going to have to go at least one more month and maybe more depending. So. Um, yeah, and we we probably should mention, John, that you and I are personally doing okay because we 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 have savings and we have things, and you're you've been able to work, and I've got a new job, and I've been able to work. So thank God for that. Um, we're just always, so, you know, we're we're, we're kind of we're we're normal, but you know, uh, we do sympathize with those, uh, and we enjoy going out to eat and playing pinball and doing those things. You know, I, I can wait. So when we are able to, it'll be we'll have to go play. Uh, we'll have to go to Grand Slam or somewhere and just have a fun night one night and just uh, spend some money. Yeah, if anything, <laughs> this I think this is taught us, Tim, that you know. Tim, I consider myself more of an introvert, but even I am longing for some social interaction at this point. You know, I mean, just because obviously it's been a, it's been kind of confining to be in the house, but, um, hopefully, you know, obviously I can play games here, but it's not quite the same experience when you're playing them by yourself versus playing them with friends. And so um, I'm hoping, obviously, like we mentioned, that they're all going to get past this very soon. But in the meantime, yeah, you may see some, some games come up for sale and things as people are having a tough go of it right now. So, uh, and, and I would encourage you not to take advantage of people, pay fair prices for games uh, especially if it's a game that you really really want i mean you know don't try to don't try to you know like jip them out of every last cent yeah, or whatever the case may be so what are you gonna say tim i said yeah don't be yeah, that exactly guy. don't be that guy <laughs> so if you know they're struggling you know just pay fair price for it you know, I mean, you know if they're they're offering a good a good cabinet solid cabinet game you want pay pay whatever you think is fair so if you if you have the means again so Let's see what else we have here. Diego Bantra, uh, Diego Banjo Contrabajo says, "Hey guys, I have an arcade monitor where the brightness goes up and down all the time, and there is and there's interference as well. Would you say that's the flyback related issue? Thanks." Um, so yeah, I mean, in this particular case, it does sound like a flyback issue and I wouldn't say flyback per se, Tim, I'd say more probably power supply issue, um, because it may not be related to the flyback necessarily. The first thing I would do, Tim, in this particular case is touch up all the solder points in the AC section of the, of the, um, of the monitor and then check the B plus voltage to make sure it's dialed in. And then also check your input pins and make sure that they're making a good connection. Cause Tim, when the input is kind of wonky, you can get that kind of brightness fluctuation as well. So. So, um, again, input pins and AC section, which is basically where the power comes into the monitor all the way through the flyback. Check to make sure there are no broken solder joints or traces in those sections. And uh, and also check your input pins to make sure they're good. Check your B plus voltage and try to dial it in as much as possible. Those things should get you going because it sounds like an AC power issue. What do you think, Tim? I think you're exactly right, Jonathan. And uh, I'm uh, just sitting here amazed. I'm like, what am I? I don't even know if you need me. <laughs> oh, anymore, whatever. You? So- <laughs> you, do you have... Uh, the trainee has over, overcome everything. Everything I would have said, I think, John. Yeah, I, I can't do this without you, Tim. I'm just warning you right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm having a harder time of it anyway. Let's see what we got here. Um, Rexer Show says, I have the same shirt, the Blockbuster one. Do you have... Um, but you have to stand up so people can see what it says. Okay, I'll stand up real quick. Can you see it, Tim? There you go. Uh-huh. So, Make it a Blockbuster... Blockbuster night. Night. So, that's right. Yeah, so. that was their phrase, Exactly, right? that was it. Yeah, man. I, I tell you what, we wouldn't be at Blockbuster even if it was open right now. So, I mean, it, <laughs> so... Um, but it, I I like the shirt, and uh, hopefully you like it too, Rexer Show. It's a really cool one. 
Uh, Greg says, I have experience with Sanyo 20EZ monitors and the Wells Garner in my Pac-Man. However, a Space Invaders Deluxe and the Mo- I have a Space Invaders Deluxe and the monitor is not seated in the metal frame. How do I discharge it? Also, I can't connect my Crafty Mac TPG monitor tester. How do I test the monitor separately as it appears to have a unique power and display connector in one? Thank you. That is correct. So, Tim, obviously, Space Invaders Deluxe black and white monitor. And so the dish is it, uh, or is it a raster monitor? It's a it's, it's a ra- Oh, I don't. Ooh, I can't remember if they're black and white or if they're if if they're color. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, that is true. It could be a color monitor, just an older version of a co- color monitor. Tim, do you ha- how much experience do yeah. you have with? Is the question? That, that's what um, you know. A high voltage probe is actually the best way. Yeah, to especially do it. on older and, monitors uh, like this, you're going to need an HV probe. And uh, this is the Greg Tim is the one who asked this question. So you're going to need an HV probe uh, in order to discharge it because um, it, the screwdriver method on older tubes can sometimes damage them, and you definitely don't want to do this with this tube. So you will need to make an investment in a high-voltage probe, Tim. And they start at like 30 40 bucks for an HV probe, and so if you use that, you don't have to worry about the grounding issue that you're having with your monitor, because um, the HV probe will just basically, I mean, if you hook it up to any kind of, like, ground in the cabinet, then it should just suck down that power from the from the monitors, or from the tube. So, HV probe is what you'll need to do the discharge. Now, Tim, what about the test pattern generator? I don't have a lot of experience with that how much experience do you have as far as hooking that up to this monitor uh it's been gosh if i've ever done it it's probably been over 20 years so i don't know no i wouldn't even venture to say we'll have to do a little more research probably on that one maybe louis can look that up while he's He's here. Yeah, unfortunately, neither one of us know. had the Crafty Mac. Um, that came out kind of, you know, past the point we did where we were doing a ton of monitor repair like we used to do. And so, um, it, that thing is really cool. I, it's great, and the vast majority of monitors are very compatible with it. Unfortunately, we don't have enough familiarity with the Space Invaders Deluxe monitor that you have to really know, it, you know, how to hook that up to the to the Crafty Mac. And so, like you mentioned, Tim, if Louis may be able to look up something for us, and Tim, it looks like oh, he's got a he's got one on how to discharge the monitor, Tim, that he posted, but. But in this particular case, I don't know if that video shows that he posted a video, Tim, but you're probably going to need the high-voltage probe because, like I said, older an older CRT here, we want to be really careful with it. And on the Crafty Mac, not real sure how to hook that up, unfortunately, with this particular monitor. Yeah, I would think you contacting the Crafty Mac uh, manufacturer would probably be the best bet. That could probably be more likely. That's a really you. good idea, Tim. And yeah, and and if we knew what model the monitor was, we may be able to figure it out as well. So if you know the model of the monitor in your Space Invaders Deluxe, if we can find some information on it, we may be able to figure out what matches where. Unfortunately, we don't know what it is offhand, and we definitely don't know how it's going to hook up to the, the Crafty Mech because of that. But um, if you can determine a model, that may be part of it. Um, but like you said, Tim, reaching out to the Crafty Mech people may not be a bad idea either so greg i wish we had better answers than that for you louis may be able to come back with some links in the live chat for you though if you can find the way to hook it up but um unfortunately off top of our heads don't know one uh, don't have a whole lot on that so um you may uh, but get a high voltage probe for sure and then you may contact the crafty mech people and see if they can help you out with the connection let's see bruce tim i acquired a double dragon 2 arcade game and the wiring harness is a complete mess am i able to put another jam Am I able to put it in another JAMA cabinet without damaging the board to test? Yes, um, Double Dragon 2 is yeah. a normal JAMA board, so it should go into any JAMA cabinet. Now keep in mind, if you have a JAMA cabinet that's vertical, it may look a little funky if you plug a, a Double Dragon board into it as it's a horizontal game, but you should still get picture regardless of which JAMA cabinet you put it in. You may not get control depending, but you should get picture, and so if you just wanted to test to make sure the board was working, not a bad idea to put 
it in another JAMA cabinet. So, Tim, anything else? No, I think that's pretty Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, let's see. YouTube Punk says Char- uh, Charity Navigator and Charity Watchdog have a list of charities to help fight the coronavirus. So there we go. We have some uh, some uh, ways to do that. I know about a couple of charities, Tim, so we may end up going with one of those. I have used Charity Navigator in the past. It's a really great uh, website for looking up reputable charities. It tells you how what percentage of your donation goes to actual that actually goes to the people who need to be affected by it, and how much goes to administration and other fees. So Charity Navigator, great website. Let's see, Michael. How do you adjust? How do you adjust? Or let's see. He said text. How do you adjust or text an a original Nintendo power supply, Tim? Well, the same way that um, you do all the other power supplies, you find the voltage where it's coming in. Make sure that your in voltage is good. Remember, it's like a hundred volts coming in, and then. Uh, just check for your 5 and your 12 going out. Right. And, and Tim, it's been a while since I've looked at a, a inside a Nintendo cabinet, to be honest with you. We've, you know, I mean, I've got a Donkey Kong, but it's so, it's pretty rock solid for the most part. But, um, yeah, there, there is a little, um, there is a little board in there that does the 5 and the 12 and everything. So you just need to test, you can test it there. You can, I don't know if there's an adjustment on that board though. I'm trying to remember. Uh, this would be a great time to, to ask Whitney of Broken Token, who has a ton of Nintendo games, cause, uh, like I said, he has more experience with Nintendo, um, you know, than we've had. It seems, like I said, it's been a while since I've stuck my head in a Nintendo cabinet just because we've been so busy with everything. But um, there is an adjustment in there, I'm pretty sure. Um, finding it, like I said, I think it's a little breakout board, but I'd have to go back and see to be sure. And, and Tim, of course, the manual for Donkey Kong should have that information in it. Or if you, uh, if you, I don't know what Nintendo game you have, but there is, I mean, if you look in a manual for any Nintendo game, it should give you a little bit of information on that and where to adjust it. Just like I said, again, off the yeah. top of the head, it's tough. Just do your wire search and check it at the board where your wires are coming in and make sure that you're getting the Right, voltage. exactly. As long as long as you're as long as you're getting the proper voltage, then you should be good. Um, let's see how do you adjust or text or text a original Nintendo power supply. So, but uh, test oh test that's what he's asking Tim. There it is. So yeah, to test it, all you have to do is just check it at the board. Make sure you're getting five and twelve, like Tim mentioned. And to adjust it, I, there is an adjustment. Can't think of where it is off the top of my head, but like I said, manual should say. Um, let's see, Tim. We have. Oh, uh, let's see. Dave says, hello from Play Bideford, it looks like. Um, a closed arcade bar in southwest England. Be back soon. So there you go. We have him there. Retro Ralph's here. Hey, guys. Thanks for all that you do. You helped me avoid death while discharging my first CRT. Awesome, Retro Ralph. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. And obviously, uh, thank you for your videos. He puts out some really good videos as well, Tim. And we should actually say a shout out to all those people who can't write that today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> you know, but glad somebody survived. <laughs> At least one person survived, right? Um, yeah. Let's see, Josh. Best of luck reopening the arcade, Dave. Obviously, Tim. All the arcade bars that are closed right now, guys. We feel for you. It's tough out there. Um, we hope you guys get to open real soon. So I um, just hate to hear about that, and uh, it's rough, man. Rough. Let's see, um, YouTube punk crafty mech people equal crafty mech himself. There you go. Um, let's see. Yeah, Michael Bloom, a new JAMA harness is only $15. So going back to the Double Dragon 2 question, um, if you want, just want to rewire the mess, just order you a brand new JAMA harness. And Tim, where does the best JAMA harness come from? Holland Computers. That's right, Holland Computers. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go to Holland Computers, order their JAMA harness. It's the best. And uh, I promise it'll be one of the best purchases you make. You'll clean up all that wiring. It'll work just like new. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to catch up here. It's going fast, Tim. We got a lot of action tonight. Uh, let's see. Danny says, how many grounds on the chassis should you have on a CRT monitor? 
So how many grounds on the chassis should you have on a CRT monitor, Tim? Well, technically, you really only need just one or two. I mean, but you're not going to hurt by having more. One good ground uh, should do everything just fine if it's all connected. But, um, you know, I wouldn't go overboard. But if you want to have two or three that are connected really good in different areas... I have no problem with that. There you that. go. Um, Greg says it's a Wells Garner V1001, Tim, which um, I think is black and white, if I remember correctly. V1001, okay. I think. There's a great troubleshooting black and white monitor um, FAQ, Tim, and I'll post it in the show notes if I think about it, Greg, that you need to check out. But as far as the ground, Tim, if you're if you're questioning where to put it, you can always put it on the floor ground from the plug. And so a lot of times a cabinet will have an AC filter on it, Tim. We've talked about that before. And so if your cabinet has an AC filter, a lot of times it will have the floor ground on the AC filter. And so you can connect the prong to the floor ground on the AC filter and then discharge it that way if you're unsure where to ground. So, or if there's another grounding prong in your cabinet, any ground prong will do as long as it's, you know, as long as it's properly grounded to something in your cabinet. So, um, but like I said, some of the, and, um, you know, like Miss Pac-Man cabinets have that little metal, uh, braided thing that goes through some of the cabinet. You can use that thing even to discharge. Um, there's a lot of options for you. Just make sure that wherever you're hooking it up to is actually grounded to somewhere, um, and you should be in good shape, Greg. If it's the, if it's the one zero zero one, that's definitely a black and white. Yeah, that's monitor. what I was thinking too. I was thinking the one zero zero one is a black and white. So you definitely want to use the high voltage probe on that. And like I said, I'm not sure about the Crafty Mech because the Crafty Mech's more made for color raster monitors, and so. Um, hooking it up is going to be a little bit of a trick, unfortunately. So I wish I knew that off the top of my head, Tim. But I, I again, never had a Space Invaders, never owned a Space Invaders, been inside of Space Invaders, but never, <laughs> never really, um, never really tried to hook one up to a test pattern generator. So, um, yeah. So you may have to contact the Crafty Mac people just to see if they've got any experience hooking that up. So let's see what else we have here. Uh, Delusional. Hi everyone. Hope you're all staying safe out there. We are. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. Hi. Uh, okay, Holland Computers. Louis posted the um, the link to the Holland Computers Jamma Harness, Tim. So we have that up there. Retro Ralph um, obviously is answering some questions about some of the videos that he has, and that's pretty cool. Um, so apparently he did a video on him discharging the CRT, Tim, and people thought it was funny. So there you go. Oh, good. Um, let's see. Josh says, almost forgot. I wanted to say that the Louisville Arcade Expo last month was great time. The event happened just before all the corona lockdowns got started. So, yeah, Louisville um, obviously is another big festival, Tim, and apparently they snuck it in right before um, right before all of the lockdown madness occurred. So uh, I'm glad you had a good time there, Josh. Louisville Arcade Expo is great. Hopefully you got to meet uh, Whitney and Brent there as well, both uh, two of our friends from the Broken Token podcast. But, um, you know, just, uh, uh, and all these expos are so much fun, Tim. It's just so sad that they're all getting canceled because of all this stuff. So uh, we really feel for organizers and things. So if uh, your show or local show got canceled, the one that you usually go to, make sure that you try to support them by buying some merchandise from their website. Or if there are other ways that, that you can support them, if you have the means, please do. Let's see. And Josh says, I'm going to try to go again next year and would recommend it to anyone to anyone who's into arcades or retro consoles. There you go. Louis posted a link to the uh, V1001 manual, Tim, and he said, I don't think you can use the test pattern generator on it. That's what Louis said. So after a little bit of research. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So, I, yeah, I was like, I'm not sure how to hook that up. That's a real good question. Uh, let's see. So. Seahorses at night. 
Um, insert bad Billy Mitchell coronavirus joke here. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. And, uh, Tim, I think we're finally caught up. Golly, guys, you guys are keeping us busy. I love it. I love it. And I'm sorry that you can't see everything, Tim. I'm doing my best to read them as we're going. So typically, Tim would be That's able okay. to see everything, um, as we're doing this, but obviously in the current state that we're in, he's un, he's unable to. Yeah, I'm sorry for looking down. I'm watching on my phone some too. So to keep <laughs> I was about up. to say, just don't turn up the sound. We might get that little echo effect. But uh, you're kind of watching right. and viewing at the same time, or and being uh, yeah. and being displayed watching at the same it, time. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So okay, let us continue on then, Tim. And the next question we have is from Casio, and I'll go ahead and put that up here. Hi, Mister. Glad to talk to you. I am not an experienced guy in this job. Arcade machine repair is new to me. So I have just purchased a Miss Pac-Man Galaga machine. I saw your video, took the control panel off, repaired it, but I am not able to fit it back in place. I can't see the latches and the holes to hook them. I am not succeeding in locking it again. In the video, you did not teach us how to do it. Thanks a lot, and congratulations for your nice work. And Tim, you know what? In that video, we did not. So, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's easy to unlock, but it's, it is a little trick if you've never exactly. locked one. Exactly. So, um, and Tim, you have to do it basically blind because there's no way to really see how to lock it. And so, Tim, what tips do you have as far as locking a control panel back on an arcade cabinet after you have taken it off? Well, you can go ahead and show the slide if you want to, John, because you it, in the slide shows what I would do. Leave the control panel off and see how the switch, uh, how the locking mechanism works. So with the control panel off, number one, I can see how it's going to work and about where they are. So when I stick my arm up in there blind, I kind of know where they're at. And I can also look at my control panel and see how it attaches. Sometimes there's a little slot or a slit place. Sometimes it just grabs around it. You know, it, they're all different. and uh, But they work pretty much the same. So if he will just practice with that a little bit before he puts it on there, maybe he'll get it down. But the trick is to reach up with it, put it over, and then come back down with the latch. And uh, maybe we need to shoot a small video on just how to do that. It, it seems simple, but if you don't know uh, or you've never done it, uh, but if you'll play around with that a little bit, and I think the picture there shows it pretty good too, Yeah, John. it does. And I'll go ahead and read the slide here, Tim, since you got it. And he just we just say, this is correct. We have a video on opening an arcade cabinet, but not one on how to close it back up. Putting the control panel back on can be pretty tricky sometimes, but we do have some tips for that process. Make sure that you open up the latches all the way before placing the control panel back on the cabinet. Tim, we've had this happen before where the latches aren't open all the way. We put the control panel on, and like the latch gets stuck underneath the control panel and so you want to make yeah. sure that you open up those latches all the way before you put it back on just to make sure that that doesn't happen to you um and then also try pushing the latch part up against the panel so after you've opened up the latches put the panel on push that latch part kind of upwards the opposite direction that you'd go to lock it and see if you can find the hole before trying to push it push it back down and engage it because a lot of times what happens is that you're not catching that hole and when you don't catch the hole it's not going to lock so you have to kind of feel around for that hole and then make sure that that latch part gets up in there so that when you push it down it engages it properly this should help it find the hole yep. that the latch is trying to lock into so one thing we should say, Jonathan, is a lot of times we see the control panel plexi will slide forward or slide down, and sometimes you're not able to shut it properly. You've got to be able to push that up and get it shut properly by hand before you go in there and latch it. 
if it's not in position, it won't work very good that is either. Correct. So yeah, another thing to be aware of, Tim. Any other advice that you have here for Casio before we move on? No, sorry, we didn't even think about shooting that part of the video. Maybe we'll include it the next time that we're shooting and we're having to unlock. I was about to say closing something. up an arcade cabinet. That's going to be the next video, right? There you go. So, um, of course, can't yeah. shoot anything right now, but <laughs> but I've got a, I've, hey, I've got a gigantic green screen. Maybe we can just I'll just uh, superimpose you in, Tim. It'll be fine. So there, there you go. go. But uh, anyway, hopefully that gives you some good advice on how to lock that back. Yes, the process can be a little tricky, Casio. But again, try some of the tips that we talked about, and hopefully you can get your control panel locked back very quickly. So. Okay, Tim, we got a couple here. Um, Michael says, Billy Mitchell's mullet is as fine as frog hair. All women want him. All men want to be him. So there you go. Um, YouTube Punk says, Retro Ralph has nearly 24,000 subscribers. And that is correct. I mean, Retro Ralph has a great channel, guys. Great content. You guys need to check it out. A lot of arcade-related stuff there. So uh, great content. Retro Ralph, thank you for joining us tonight. We love having you here. And then uh, Danny says, Retro Ralph does have videos. I've watched a lot of them. It is about video games. So again, he has general video games as well, Tim. So pretty cool. Josh says, awesome. if you don't, if you guys don't get to my question tonight, no problem at all. But I did get that screen test photo sent to the website email account. Okay, so we will give, we will uh, look at that, Josh, and we'll get back to you as soon as we get a chance to. So, uh, so um, yeah, it's hard for us to check the email on the live show right here, kind of as in a live setting. But we will email you back just as soon as we get around to that question. Uh, Delusional says, oh, and Arcade 1-Up. He does cover a lot of Arcade 1-Up stuff, Tim. And speaking of which, I should give an update on my... Mortal Kombat Arcade 1-Up cabinet. So um, I put it together. I actually shot a video of me and my daughter putting it together that'll probably be on whatever DVD we end up releasing next. And I put it all together, got it all together, and then there's a green line down the screen. And I contacted support, and they said that my warranty had expired by just a little bit. I missed it by that much. And I was very frustrated, and I... I tried to kindly express my frustration as best I could. And... Luckily, after several back-and-forth communications, they are going to replace um, a part on my game to get it working again. So thank you, Arcade okay. 1-Up, for, for, doing, for taking care of me. I did not have to – I didn't resort to saying anything about who I was or anything, Tim. Uh, they, you know, they basically took it under consideration, decided to replace it, so I'm very thankful for that. And, Tim, I mentioned also on the, on the special after show, for those guys who didn't uh, get to see it, I have a Arcade 1-Up Golden Tee now. And so it's sitting here in the box, and I will be putting it together before the warranty ones runs out so I can uh, get parts replaced if I need to. But uh, it has the light-up marquee, Tim. It has the um, it has the stand with it as well. So the riser, excuse me, has the riser with it. So um, And obviously, Tim, Golden Tee is a game that you and me both love, and so I'm looking forward to putting it together and playing it. So there you go. But just a little update on the arcade one-up situation around here. So Tim, I've got a lot of arcade one-ups for somebody who didn't really like them when they, you know, at first, right? So, um, but uh, I tell you yeah. what, they're really cool cabinets, guys. And for the price, you, you really can't beat them. And you can find them on sale quite a bit. So uh, cool stuff. Let's see. Seahorses at Night says, have you guys seen Tiger King themed pinball picture? Pretty funny. I did. So apparently uh, there's a Tiger King (laughs) uh, pinball machine coming out, Tim. Now, for those who have not seen Tiger King, Tim, I think we're going to do an in-depth discussion in the after show, correct? Because right. and we might mention I have some inside information. Inside information. Okay. So they got man, yeah. what a teaser for the after show. Golly, you're gonna leave us hanging. <laughs> Let's say if guys, if you've watched the show and you know I lived in I grew up a third of my life in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, 
Um, you, if you want to look that up on a map while we're talking, you'll see why I have some inside information. <laughs> there you go. So, um, obviously, Tim, you mentioned Tiger King when we got together for the special after show last Tuesday, and I had heard about it and yeah. had not watched it. I am now fully caught up, and so we will be discussing that in the after show. So, if you've seen it and you want to <laughs> talk some Tiger King and hear the exclusive that Tim is going to break, then make sure you stay tuned for the after show for all of your Tiger King information. So, and. Yep. All I'll just say is the last game that broke down on me, it was that Dane Carroll basket. <laughs> there you go. She did There it. you go. Absolutely. So um, let's see what else we have here. Can anyone relate? I just received some arcade parts in the mail and it's like Christmas. Absolutely delusional. That's from Delusional's Arcade Tim. Getting arcade parts in the mail is like one of the best things ever, right? Well, that's what I thought during this time. Somebody said, what would you be doing if you're still at Chuck E. Cheese? And I said, I would be cleaning and fixing every oh, yeah. game. So maybe when they open up, I, will, I would love to be a tech during this time with no people around. I would be working on Absolutely. everything. Absolutely, yeah, because you can get everything working so that when you guys open back up, it'll be it'll be just like new, right? There you go. Yeah. So Jason says, the mail never stops. That is correct. Yeah, and I tell you, though, um, it feels like Christmas. Actually, it feels like it felt like Christmas on Wednesday when I got my toilet paper delivered, I'm just saying. Um, so I'm very <laughs> excited to have my toilet paper. Hopefully everybody in the live chat also has toilet paper. Um, but um, they, that was like Christmas right there, Tim. And I know it's not arcade parts, but, you know, sometimes you just got to be excited about something, so. Yeah, we'll trade arcade parts for some and some Clorox wipes. If anybody has <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Danny says, nice, love golden tea. So, yeah, I'm excited about it, too. Just need to put it together. Michael says, I'm finding the golden tea Easter eggs, finding a dead guy in the woods, or Bigfoot is always hilarious. Tim, yeah, there's a lot of Easter eggs. I don't know if you've ever noticed that yeah. uh, on some of the courses and things. So, a lot of great stuff with golden tea. Guys, golden tea is such a great game, and it's a game that I did not have a good appreciation for until... Probably until we started playing it on the main cabinet that we built, Tim. And as we started to play it, we discovered that, you know what, it's probably it's way more fun than people give it credit for. So, I agree. Uh, let's see. A U- um, YouTube Punk says, when people talk about Tiger King, I keep thinking of the wrestler from Tekken. That's right. King, I, you know, King, um, the character King from Tekken <laughs> had a tiger mask on, Tim. So um, that's something yep. to think about for sure. Retro Ralph says, quick restoration question for you guys. What are your feelings on altering the light box of a cabinet to use LED versus fluorescent bulb or light bulb? So here's the deal, yeah, Retro sure. Ralph. It really depends on your preference. Um, the Galaga behind me actually has an LED strip in it that that has a dial that you can turn up or down the brightness. And I, I can turn it on here and show you. But um, So we will put LED strips in them, just depending. Um, the nice thing about LED strips is if they run off DC voltage, then a lot of times you can run them directly off the power supply in the game, which makes it really easy. But another thing is that, I mean, if you're using like a fluorescent or regular light bulbs, most marquee lights arcade-wise have AC wiring going up to them, right, Tim? So yeah. if you, I'm thinking about that police trainer behind you. Um, you know, you could probably see some burn marks and stuff. And if you took that out, it would probably fall yeah, apart. Yeah, that marquee probably would. Yeah, uh, with the light bulb style, Tim, it seems like um, they do get a yeah. lot hotter. And so by using LED style, a lot of times you don't have quite the heat that you would have with the, the light bulbs. So um, in, in most cases, Retro Ralph, we're going to be in favor of using LED, um, whether that's a strip. Or, Tim, you've got the LED fluorescent replacements now that you can get that are really yeah. nice. And so you can do that. Um, but 
um, a lot of times we're going to be in favor of that because the heat will kill. And Tim, you mentioned police trainer. You can see it, but the people at home can't. Um, typically, we'd have a police yeah. trainer over next to the Galaga. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sorry. They they can't see it. Usually, they would be able to, but obviously, since we have you up on the screen, we're kind of blocking it. But um, the police trainer is actually a dig dug cabinet, Tim. And yes, in that dig dug cabinet, um, it has um, two light bulbs, I believe, and it and it does. And it, I'm pretty sure that marquee would probably fall apart if I took it out. You're correct. So um, it's because that heat generated from those light bulbs over time just eats away at these um, at these marquees. So yeah, definitely if you can go LED, definitely do it. Um, if you if you want to do a strip, more than likely you may have to run some uh, uh, you may have to run some DC voltage up there. But you can get the replacement fluorescent LEDs that you can put up in there and things that uh, that run off the AC power as well. So I mean, you don't necessarily have to go DC power up there, but I mean, you can do whatever you want. There's a lot of options, but LED is nice because of the low heat. So and definitely will do less damage to your marquees. Um, let's see. Um, and would you consider this a no-no or should I keep it original? Now, here's the deal. If you're a purist, and there are a lot of purists, Tim, that want to keep things as original as possible, um, no harm in keeping the fluorescent light with the starter and the fixture in there. I mean, because, I mean, fluorescent lights do not get as hot as, like, light bulbs. So if you have a, a, a fluorescent fixture in there, you're probably okay. But again, Tim, you can get the bulbs for the fluorescent fixtures that are LED, right? Yeah, and you know, I think back to our pinball friends. Some of you are, are listening to tonight. You know, when LED pinball lights first come out, everybody's like, "No, keep it original." And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody's fought the back glasses peeling and stuff. They realize they then they look super cool. Now everybody is converting all these old pinball games to LED lights. So I think that for the most part, most people have come to grips with it. They run cooler. They look better. They really illuminate, uh, and, and that's what the idea of the black light, I mean, the, the back light is to show off the marquee. And if you can do that better with an LED light and it not damage it like the old bulbs would, why Absolutely. Not? So um, uh, let us continue on here. So that was for Retro Ralph. And the next one we have here is from Bruce. The Double Dragon 2 cabinet I acquired also ended up having a Kung Fu Master in it. Do you know where I'd be able to find the wiring diagrams for Kung Fu Master? The harnesses were all together. And if you just look up Kung Fu Master pinouts, I'm sure that you will find them. And uh, Louie will probably um, give you a link to that. But just look for the pinouts for Kung Fu Master and you should that should give you uh, what you're looking for there, Bruce. So... Let's see. Um, Jason says, I'll trade four rolls of toilet paper for a working gyrus board set. There you go, Tim. So we're getting some bartering there. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, uh, four yeah, rolls. exactly. Four rolls. So. I don't know. How big a roll are we Yeah, is it a mega roll? Mega rolls or Good point, Tim. And is it, this, is it the Dollar General cheap kind? I kind of like cotton. <laughs> you know? There you go. I'm a Charmin guy. Charmin Soft, Tim. Charmin Soft. Yeah. Understand. So if you got Charmin Soft, that's a premium to me. But anyway, um, so Delusional also said he likes to keep it original, but he has no problems with LEDs. And I think most of us are in that boat, Tim. I mean... Original's yeah. fine. If it works, just keep the original in there. But, you know, put an LED one in there, and, and it's fine, too. So totally up to you. Uh, let's see. Um, Seahorses at night. I'll do six toilet paper rolls for a gyrus board set. Tim, we've got bidding going on uh, in the live chat. Got bidding going um, on. Delusional says, I have a working gyrus board set, but I don't think it's for sale trade uh, or trade. Sorry, I have plans for it. So there you go. Um, Retro Ralph says, awesome. Thanks. Appreciate the feedback. Danny says, um uh, that and LEDs last a lot longer. They do typically. So we found that LEDs um, will last a lot longer if it's good quality, Tim. But, you know, they used to promise on the light bulbs that they would last 20 or 30 years. And I don't think I've got, I mean, I haven't gotten nearly that out of them. Those, the LEDs themselves last that long, 
the LED boards typically do not, and that's the key. So, I mean, the LEDs themselves, yes, will last that long, but the boards usually die faster than the LEDs themselves. So, uh, let's see. Um, Delusional says Walmart has $8 ones that work perfectly. Yes, they do. Walmart has some. Um, you can get, there's one, Tim, that we recommend on Amazon that's super cheap. I can't remember, $11 or something like that if you don't want to go to Walmart. Um, but there's a lot of different ones that you can get LED strip wise that work great. Um, let's see. <laughs> you need the right LEDs to make a pinball pop. That is correct. So, Tim, um, for like, uh, pinball machines, there's a lot of different LEDs that you can get. Um, but the light kicks, the light kits that you buy for your games typically have like really good quality LEDs depending on where you get them from. So, um, you know, obviously, Tim, uh, we have a lot of pinball retailers on our resources page. So if you check out arcaderpairtips.com slash resources, you can see some of the people who we like, like Pinball Life, Tim, who sells LED kits for games. And typically now the LED kits are very good. In the past, they've had some problems with quality and things. But typically when you buy one now, it's pretty much ready to go. So... Uh, Greg says, yep, I use the Walmart ones on everything. Um, Louie posted the Kung Fu Master pinouts for us, Tim, which is really great. Michael says, I converted my firepower to LED, and as good as it looked before, it really pops now. It's downright gorgeous. Yeah, I man, I need to do that on my games, Tim. I need to do LED. But, you know, when all the lights are working, I'm too lazy to put LEDs in it. So <laughs> I'm going to wait till like, three or four bulbs go out. Then I'll put some in it. So. Um, all right. Let's see. Oh, Greg says one full Costco package for the gyros board and a 16-ounce hand sanitizer. Tim, I think we have a winner right there. Um, So, Greg, gyros board said coming your way, I guess. I don't know who promised that. It wasn't us, but uh, somebody did. So there you go. John says, I've noticed the fluorescent light fades the marquee after time. Uh, You know, fluorescent, Tim, I haven't noticed that as much on, but definitely with the light bulb style, we definitely have noticed that. Fluorescents seem to be okay for the most part, but definitely the um, the light bulb style definitely damage um, big yeah. time. So, uh, Jason says LED strips under the galaxy bezel slides um, sides really light lights up the art. Yeah, or Galaga. He says on the Galaga. Yeah, I mean, man, this thing is super bright back here, right, Tim? This I think these are bright white. This isn't soft white on this, um, and I could turn it on, but like I said, it'll blind. It kind of blows out the picture, so I, I'm hesitant to do that. But um, very bright when you put it in there for sure. So. Ooh, okay, Tim, I think we're caught up. (laughs) Okay. um, We only have one more slide here, Tim, but it's our questions from YouTube slide. It has three different questions on it. So I'm going to throw this up here, and we're going to rapid fire them like we normally do at this point in the show. So here we go. The first one is from Funky, Tim, and that was the username Funky. He says, do you have any idea where the adjustment knobs would usually be on a Frogger cocktail monitor? Then we have Elliot, who says, I have a three-combo game, Centipede, Millipede, and Missile Command. I can't get it to work with coins. I open the door to flip the thin wire to activate the switch, and it still doesn't work. Any ideas? Thanks. And then we have Philip, who says, I have a pull position that only lets me uh, get half a screen. Every time I adjust it to full, it fuzzes out. What do you recommend? Game plays fine, just that half the screen. So, Tim, um, three questions here. Let's take them one at a time. The first one we have here is from Funky, and he says, do you have any idea where the adjustment knobs would usually be on a Frogger cocktail monitor? So let's start with that. Well, it always depends on the type of monitor, and it can have many different times. Most of them are on the back of the chassis. Uh, there'll be a couple on the neck board. Uh, it really depends on the monitor. There you go. Okay, so on Elliot, Tim, we have um, a, he has a three-combo game, Tim, which I think you're very familiar with, the Team Play Centipede, Millipede, and Missile Command Cabinet. He can't get uh-huh. to work with coins. He's flipping the coin switch, and it's not coining up. What do you think's going on? 
Well, you got to make sure that it's wired correctly and that there are a ground there is a ground wire and your coin wires going to your switches. But a lot of times, if one of those switches gets stuck, the game kind of knows that uh, it won't just give a thousand credits or something. It will not coin up at all. So I would check the wiring, and I would also check to make sure that a switch is not stuck. Absolutely. And then, Tim, we have Philip with the pole position that only gets half a screen. Um, and when he tries to adjust it to full, it fuzzes out. What do you recommend for him? Well, I think it's kind of like what we talked about earlier with the NBA Jam, that it probably is uh, starting to need a cap kit. and probably is best way to solve Sweet. that. Okay, I think we I think we got all those in just a rapid-fire way, Tim. So I'm going to put the, um, the outline scene up here. So the first one we had was from Funky Tim, and like you said, it depends on the monitor. Some have them on the back, but uh, some have them on a breakout board, Tim, that contains the adjustments. And Tim, I have a breakout board here for a K7000, as you can see. And so if you're... If your monitor does have a breakout board, Tim, there'll typically be a ribbon cable or something like that that runs from the chassis to that breakout board. So what you may do is just kind of go around your chassis to see if you see any kind of ribbon or grouping of wires that may go out to a breakout board and follow that down to see if you can find it. So um, like I said, it just depends on the monitor. Like Tim mentioned, it could be um, on the back of the chassis or it could actually be on that breakout board. But if I've seen that breakout board be inside the coin Typically, door, yeah, exactly. You know, in weird We've places. seen it um, right next to the control panel, um, a lot of different places on that. So the easiest thing to do is just to trace it down from the chassis to see if you can find it from there. So on Elliot's question, make sure that the coin switches are wired up correctly, like you mentioned, Tim. Also, there may be a way to put the game on free play if you don't care about putting coins in it. Now, Tim, the wiring is so important here because we've seen a bunch of times where opening and closing the coin door... Um, actually does damage to the wires over time. So if you've got a game that's from the eighties and the operator has constantly opened and closed, open and closed, open and closed. Well, sometimes those wires will get pinched in the door. And when that happens to him, it actually damages the wiring, which means that it may not be making the same connection that it used to when it was new. And so that's why we're going to stress a wiring issue here, Elliot, make sure that they're wired up correctly. And Tim on the screen, I know you can't see it, but I've got the, just the JAMA pinouts there that have the location of those coin wires. So that way he yeah. can find them. But if you go to arcaderepairtips.com slash jamma.html, you can find a full jamma pinout that will help you out with that as well, Elliot. So um, you may try that and it should work. Because I'm pretty sure, Tim, that, that team play cabinet is a jamma cabinet, correct? Yeah. There you go. Right, exactly. So there you go. So, I mean, that should that should do it. Um, and then, Tim, obviously, Philip has a squished... Um, pole position, and like you mentioned, sounds very similar to the NBA Jam. Try a cap kit on it, see if it helps the issue. If it doesn't, it may be in the power supply section of the board. So you may need to check check your B-plus voltage, make sure that that is good. Check the power supply section of your chassis and make sure that everything is making a good connection. So there you go. Um, I think we covered all that, Tim. And um, Louie said Frogger doesn't have a free play setting. Um and Elliot's question was actually on the team play. I think he was getting that one and Funky's question mixed up. Funky's question was on the Frogger. Elliot's question was on the team play, Snipede, Millipede, and Missile Command. So there you go. But I think we covered all those. Do you have anything to add on any of those questions, Tim, before we move on? No. I okay. Think, so. think we covered it pretty well? Sounds yeah. good. So we'll continue to go on from here, Tim. Um, Louis says, pole position, may the video game gods have mercy on your soul. Yes. Um, typically, we're talking about the board set on that one, but obviously monitor problems too sometimes. Uh, monitor problems a whole lot easier than board problems on, mis- on uh, pole position, thankfully. So, 
Yeah, just install about 10 fans. It'll there work you go. <laughs> um, Delusionals Arcade, guys, what's your favorite monitor chassis to work on and what is your worst? So, uh, Tim, I think I know your worst. I think it, it I think it, um, I think it's a six letter word called Cortec. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I do not like Cortec monitors. Uh, similarly, uh, Geo7 is probably the easiest and has so much information yeah. about it. Uh, any Wells Gardner, uh, I like. But I do not. Like yeah, I was about Cortex. to say. I, I I know Tim pretty well, and I know that Cortec monitors are probably <laughs> his worst. So definitely Cortec. Um, and um, Greg said Geo Seven the best. Um, let's see, Mashita or a close second Cortec worst. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. um, Cortec definitely worst. I think we can all agree on that. I'd like to get um, I'd like to get some of our monitor repair guys and see what theirs are. Like Paul Jure, I'd love to see like what he thinks is the best and the worst. Um, because and like Michael, I, I'd lo- I'd be curious to hear Michael's on that as well. Because I mean, he, I'm pretty sure Michael is not a big Cortec fan either, but he may, he may differ on what his favorite is. I have a feeling. So, um, but, uh, so yeah, what, how about, that's a great question to throw just to the chat as a whole. If you guys uh, have done a lot of monitor repair or maybe just a little bit, what is your favorite monitor chassis to work on? What is your worst monitor chassis to work on? Now, you mentioned Wells Garner, Tim. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add an exception for the D9200. I'm not a big fan of that monitor. <laughs> I can work on them. We can get them working a lot of times, but, um, it is not my favorite to work on. Um, so, uh, it, it is a great monitor, though. It's it's good stuff. Um, Delusional says he does not like the, or he likes the K7000, which the K7000 series is super great. Um, just yeah. easy to work on. He hates the 4600, it looks like. The 4600, the 4600, okay. the card system. It's not terrible. So, um, you know, right. I mean, I'm not, I, 4600s are okay for me. Um, like I said, I'd much rather work on a 4600 than a Cortec. So, uh, any day of the week. But, you know, everybody's different. Just depends on who you are. So, um, I, Josh B says, "Oh, mine's a Cortec. I hope it holds out for a long time." <laughs> look, look, you can fix Cortec monitors. They're just a little bit more of a hassle. Just because uh, Timmy mentioned the documentation on them is sometimes not the best. Is that a good way to say it? So yeah. um, documentation is kind of is kind of uh, tough to find. There is a, there is some more information than there used to be. Thankfully, there are there are more resources for Cortex than there used to be. But it's still tough to find information on Cortex if you're if you're um, if you're looking for it. So. I would just say this, if it goes out, I'm going to say this in my best Joe Exotic voice, just take it out and blow it up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're going to strap some uh, Tannerite to it, right? Good, it's good monitor just to have around so you can blow stuff up. There you go, up. Tannerite, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, just strap some explosives to it and blow it up. There we go. Uh, uh, Nanano, that's another one that says it's not my favorite. That's from John. Uh, yeah, that's another one on our blacklist, yeah. right? So, Nanano, Cortec, Tomato, Tomato. You know, as a newbie, I would have thought the, the Sanyo Easy monitor, but, you know, the more you work on them, um, the better it seems like that it, it works, yeah. you know. You get into something Yeah, like I got thing. you still. I got you. Uh, let's Sorry. let's okay. see. Um, Delusional says it takes longer to take a 4600 apart than to cap it. That is true. But, I mean, once you have it apart, you know, it's, it's, not, it's easy to work on. You know, I mean, so that's the nice thing. Uh, Greg says, Cortec has like 70 plus caps and then it's always something else like a burned transistor. Exactly. 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 <laughs> right. So, um, so tough stuff. But anyway. Well, Tim, that question kind of leads into our arcade discussion question. We're not having a debate. Tim, this is not a time for debate tonight. And so we're not going to do a debate. We'll right. do a discussion. But before we get to the discussion, why don't we tell people about your tech tip for this month? So I'm going to let you take it from here. Um, I will read the title here since you can't see it. But Tim's tech tip this month is 
arcade coin door lock replacement adds a credit button without the need to drill a hole in your game. So Tim, I've put up some pictures here for people to see this. I'm going to let you take it from here. Well, occasionally I just run across stuff that I think is cool. Uh, kind of like the breaker uh, fuse testers that we ordered. And I ran across this not too long ago, and I just thought, you know, we get a lot of questions about making a game um, free play and, or how to coin it up without doing a lot of damage to your cabinet. And I just thought this was kind of interesting. That you got the slide I up do, now, John? I do, so they can see the slide, Tim. Okay, good. So what it is is it works with midway coin doors. It will basically will work with most coin doors, I'll tell you that much. Um, you put this in there where the hole goes. It still locks it and allows you to hook that up to your coin switches, and then you can just add credits as you want to by hitting the button, or as my uh, father-in-law used to call it, the sneaky switch. You kind of got a sneaky switch there that you can hit. So anyway, I just thought that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, and we have mentioned before adding a button as one of those methods and I just think this is a way you don't have to drill a hole. You just take the lock out and you put this in there and then you wire it up and you've got free play basically on several games that don't have a free play option. Yeah, and Tim, I saw this. And of course, you need a 3D printer, Tim, to print these out if you have a buddy or something. Or Tim, you can go to your local library. Or Tim, uh, the school that my daughter goes to actually has a 3D printer for them to work with, which is pretty cool. So, um, But you will need a 3D printer for this. But you can actually see, um, if you go to the link that's down below, you can actually um, see that it, there's a 30 millimeter bolt, Tim, and a 50 millimeter bolt. Yeah. So, And it says that the 30 millimeter is really good for Bally Midway games and that the 50 is really good for pinball. But um, a really easy way to um, to put a coin up button on your arcade cabinet without having to drill um, drill into the cabinet without having to have an add a hole somewhere um, and and it locks the game Tim it actually has like a little latch that will lock the coin door in place and you know if you're doing this for home use Tim I think it's a really cool idea and um, I'm with you so um, you know again if you have a if you have a 3d printer you have a buddy that has a 3d printer go to uh, thingiverse.com slash thing colon 2085416 and you'll be able to see this project and print one out yourself so i think it's pretty cool too I, I was with you when you sent it to me i was like man that is the coolest thing i've ever seen and you will need the switch too tim so even after you 3d print everything you'll need sure. the switch um the um the switch is um he has a link to the amazon uh the amazon product for it on that page so you can so you can do that. Um, Delusional says he uses Easy Coin Up, which is also really cool, the little quarter-looking thing. Um, that's cool as well. You can use that. But this is also a cool way, Tim. Um, I think um, any way that you can kind of put a credit button without having to drill into your cabinet, I think is pretty cool. So, so thanks for bringing you bringing us the tech tip for tonight. That's pretty awesome, Tim. So, um, and I don't. Um, I, I have access to a 3D printer, so I might try to print this out at some point, but I don't, I do not have one here at the house, and right now getting out of the house is, is a little bit of a trick, right? So, uh, we may have to wait a little yeah. bit, or maybe I'll just buy a 3D printer. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but, um, really cool stuff, Tim. Thank you so much for that. Now, Tim, I mentioned again, no arcade debate tonight, and we've been in the, our windows the whole night, uh, you know, unlike a regular show where we'd be side <laughs> by side. And so this is not, um, this is not a time for us to debate, Tim. I feel like this is a time for us to do, discuss, and, um, um, M. Cassiano, Tim, sent in a good question that I felt like was in need of discussion and probably something that the live chat could also chime in. And this is this is the question. He says, hey, guys, I just started watching you guys and I appreciate the knowledge. I 
I want to start restoring old cabinets. How did you guys go about obtaining your first cabinets? So Tim, um, why don't you go ahead and give us a story about how you got your first cabinets. I'll give the story about how I got my first cabinets and then maybe we'll have some more people chime in and we can give some more tips from there. Um, the very first cabinet I ever got was in a local thrift shop and um, I knew that it was a pole position and uh but you know after i would say i really wasn't searching for cabinets we of course we went to auctions a lot of times we would get them that way but one of the best things that and this will be my biggest advice was we simply made a an easy business card that just says i repair arcade and video and pinball games um if you know of anyone for sale uh, give me a call. And we would pass these out a lot of times like we would go to a trade show or wherever we were and pass them out to our friends and stuff. I have probably gotten more games back in the day when they were just seemed like they were everywhere. Um, we were getting games and getting a lot of calls for that. Now, a lot of them wanted high dollar, but a lot of them were either free or really cheap. Or, you know, they were glad to get rid of them, those type of things. So that's probably one way that I I had the most luck. And until we were able to, uh, just by word of mouth, just letting people know, I, I collect these things. And I would like, of course, we didn't really have as much social media back in those days. But I can imagine uh, the same thing would be today that we used to do, like on Craigslist. Uh, you could put an ad on Facebook Marketplace. I buy old games. Uh, it's a hobby. I'm not trying to make money off of it. But if you have some, I think that probably would be a good method to do that today. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, Tim, obviously, of course, the first game I got, you actually gave me um, from working on helping yeah, you work on games. Stuff. So, I mean, sometimes you can find somebody who has a lot of arcade games. You find an old operator or somebody like that who needs help working on them. And you just want to do some free labor for a while until they give you one. That's a good way to do it, too. But, um, Tim, I think you nailed it with uh, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. And, Tim, I'm going to throw uh, throw in some apps like Offer up five miles, um, you know, so let go. Some of those um, apps as well that you can get that will allow you to search like lo- for local, uh, you know, for sale items in your area. eBay sometimes, Tim. We bought games off eBay before that, you know, people just listed them as for auction and nobody wanted to pick them up. And we got them for fairly cheap because of that, you know. And so um, even eBay yeah. sometimes will have what you're looking for. Um, Delusional said Facebook Marketplace is probably one of the better places to find them now. And But, Tim, I mean, any kind of for sale website is going to be really good. Um, like we said, Craigslist, Five Miles, Let Go, Offer Up, any of those um, should help you find, you know, some arcade games in your area. Tim, the market has been high for arcade games for a while, and so you're gonna pay. You're gonna you may pay a lot even for a broken game at first. And when I say a lot, it may be in upwards of three hundred dollars, just depending on the game. But um, you know, the thing is, the market's high, so if you do get it working, you can also probably sell it for more than what you paid for it. So that's something to think of. Um, but here's the deal, Tim. We mentioned earlier in the show, somebody brought up the question that. Um, you know, do you think we're going to see some arcades being dumped on the market? I think we're going to see some because, you know, some arcade bars and things, unfortunately, are getting rid of some extra inventory to, to help st- help them stay afloat. So if you want to check in with your local arcade bar, Tim, I know that uh, that uh, Free Play here in town and some of the other ones are selling off some games in order to help with their with some of the expenses that they're incurring. So you may want to contact right now arcade bars and uh, different arcade establishments that are closed to see if they will sell you one of their games. So, because I know a lot yeah. of places are putting them up for sale. One thing that he asked specifically for was just cabinets. Right. And I know every operator from every uh, town 
um, usually has cabinets just sitting in a warehouse. And a lot of times I have offered to do repairs for them. Um, not long ago, I had um, one of them tell me that he was now in the ATM business. And I got him hooked up with a business that would let him put an ATM machine in. And he gave me, he was like, what can I do for you? And I don't know why. I just kind of said, well, maybe you got an old arcade cabinet that uh, you wouldn't mind getting rid of. I really like the Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man style. And he said, sure. And it wasn't long. He said, are you going to be home? I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm bringing you over a cabinet. And uh, you might remember this, John. It was a nice um, Miss Pac Gallagher combo cabinet. Solid cabinet. Great shape. It didn't have, it actually had a board in it. Uh, it didn't have a monitor. But it's over at our friend Mike's house right now. He's been doing a little bit of cabinet repair on it because it had those bars across it, you know, that kept the end of theft bars out. But I got a free cabinet just for basically helping him, uh, hooking him up with another guy I know that would let him put an ATM. So, uh, and other collectors. Um, gosh, you know, we've unloaded cabinets. Of, and we always like to find people who are new to the hobby or, hungry for those games to restore them. A lot of times uh, other collectors have always been a great source. Absolutely. Let's see what we got in the chat here, Tim. We've got, um, let's see, I got mine on Facebook Marketplace. This is from Josh. Previous owner had bought it a couple years ago at an auction. Rexer Show says, what do you think of the auctions that strictly do arcade gaming? Love them. In fact, our friend David runs one. We're going to give him a plug. AmericanAmusementAuctions.com, Tim. So if you're looking for auctions in your area, you might try American AmericanAmusementAuctions.com. Auction game sales, Tim does game sales. Uh, Captain's Warehouse out in California does auctions. Um, uh, our friend Ryan Berger is involved in some auctions as well, right, Tim? Um, so, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of arcade auctions there. Now, arcade auctions, the only thing you have to keep in mind is you're going to pay a premium on top of whatever you win it for, right, Tim? Right. And, you know, we always, um, we always used to stick around and help people load and we always know people that bought too much and couldn't get them in. We've got a lot of free games just by sticking around and helping other people load. They give us a cabinet or something they couldn't get on and the their day truck. after the auction, make sure you visit the dumpster. Yeah. Go by yeah, the dumpster. Because there'll be something mm-hmm. in there. I can almost guarantee it. Some people will not be able to haul everything that they, that they buy. It happens all the time. So let's see what else we have here. Paper Clown says, I can't believe this much time has passed. 2000's illusional, uh, delusional arcade did amazing themes for the front end, uh, Front end 3D arcade. 3D arcade is a really cool. Was a really cool front end, Tim. Good stuff. And delusional arcade says my Maximus arcade front end days. LOL. So there you go. Um, Paper Clown says uh, Maximus again. Maximus is a front end for Mame. Good stuff, guys. Greg says the auctions can be hit or miss. Right now, more. Uh, right now, might be more hit as operators are scaling back. Very good point, Greg. So uh, may want to hit up the auctions pretty soon. Danny says, I know some arcade cabinets are hard to find harder to find than others, though I got a Smash TV in good condition and everyone is trying to buy. So yeah, you can get a lot of times you can find what you're looking for. Just hold out and have some patience and wait for the right deal to come along. Uh Delusionals Arcade, a few months ago I sold my NBA Jam cabinet. Um Let's see. The guy that picked it up recognized my name and remembered me from my Maximus Arcade days. So they're talking about, apparently Delusional used to be into Maximus Arcade, so there you go. Uh, cool stuff, guys. So anyway, so yeah, auctions are a good place too, Tim. But I think you know you really want to try some of these for sale apps and Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, and of course, make sure that you also um, that you also check out local auctions if they're in your area. So anything else, Tim? No, I have literally um, posted that I was interested and found games in my neighborhood. Just 
that I didn't even know people had. There you go. So good stuff. But uh, hopefully we answered M. Cassiano's question. And uh, good luck trying to find that first arcade cabinet. Good stuff, guys. Well, Tim, let's go ahead and get into some news and stuff that's going on. And Tim, we mentioned this earlier in the show, and you've got the shirt to prove it, but the 2020 Texas Pinball Festival, scheduled for March 27th through 29th this past weekend, was canceled due to COVID-19. And Tim, there's a post about it, and you can go to the Facebook page there to see it. This decision was not an easy one to make, and we pro- we know that many of you are disappointed as we are. We promise to do everything we can to save the Texas Pinball Festival. We want to thank everyone that stood by us, offering their help and support. You don't know how much that means to us. We will be in touch. Paul, Kim, and Ed. And Tim, we know Paul, Kim, and Ed, and they are very good people that put a lot of work into the Texas Pinball Festival. So if you can support them, please do that by going to uh, texaspinball.com slash tpf slash store and buy something. Tim, they've got the, the, the little grab bags like what you see here. Um, I mentioned earlier that Louie got one of these grab bags. And so, um, you know, he, he, um, he actually posted a picture of it. So you can do that or you can buy a t-shirt. Tim, you want to, yeah, I'm going to throw you back up here so you can show everybody your nice, uh, come and flip it t-shirt. There it is. So you can get one of those, like what Tim has. It has Texas Pinball on the on the back, right? Yeah. yeah. So there okay, we go. I'm going to turn around real quick for us. There it is. So Texas Pinball right there. It's got the official logo of the Texas Pinball Festival. But guys, you know, um, support not just the Texas Pinball Festival, but any festival that's having to close down because of this. Because, Tim, they're depending on that admission income to keep the show running. And when you don't get that income, obviously it puts them in a tight financial yeah. spot. They're not trying to make money. They're just trying to break even most of the time. And a lot of times they don't even do that. They just they do it for the love. So when you have zero income, not only are you not breaking even, you're losing your own personal money many times, especially without any big sponsors and stuff like that. A lot of these guys, their own personal money that they're putting into it. So... Uh, you know, if we can help them recoup some of that back, it would be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Uh, Paper Clown says, this podcast style is wonderful. I hope you guys can ask Todd from TNT Amusements on a future episode. Tim, we talked about that, haven't we? Oh, yeah, so we might have to get Todd on sometime. Uh, we really like Todd. Uh, Tim, obviously, you've got a pretty good relationship with him, and so maybe at some point we can get him on the show. Um, right now, I'm struggling to have one person on the show. We may have to wait until uh, Tim comes back here so we can get another one on. So, um but I think that this was part of the, the overall, guys, is that if one day, if we could get this working good, which I, it sounds like it is, that we can be together there and do this and somebody else can be our exactly. guest. Uh, I know several people that I would love to ask and good friends and stuff that would be great to be Absolutely. on here. Absolutely. Uh, Delusionals Arcade mentions the ZapCon 8 in Arizona was canceled as well. So if you guys uh, want to go to their website, maybe buy, buy some of their merchandise and help them out, that'd be great. Danny says, having a good friend like I have that has at least 50 arcades and works on them and trades them a lot. That's a good way to get an arcade game, right, Tim? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so having somebody who's in the business for sure. Now, Tim, obviously the Texas Pinball Festival did not happen, like we just mentioned, but there have been some announcements of some new pinball machines. And so we're going to first talk about Hot Wheels by American Pinball. Now, Tim, have you seen this cabinet yet? What do you think of it? Oh, I think it's good. I think it's going to be a cool theme. Great theme, by the way. But I think it's a good pinball. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and throw this uh, this uh, link up here for people who want to see. And this is from Pinball News, Tim. Love PinballNews.com, guys. Great information there. They really go in-depth on a lot of this stuff. But uh, Hot Wheels by American Pinball. It's got kind of the same cabinet shape as some of their other games, Tim, like Houdini. But um, Hot Wheels is a two-flipper standard-width game, apparently without any unique or innovative playfield assemblies. 
This is expected to keep the cost of the game down with an anticipated retail price of around $62 to $6,400, which, Tim, right now in pin, in the pinball space is actually pretty cheap. <laughs> and now, you yeah. never know what's going to happen here with uh, the COVID-19. Obviously, I don't think they're selling a lot of pinball machines now, so I would expect the prices are going to come down. Tim, you and me um, have a good friend, Craig Hassel, that works at the distributor there that we buy a lot of games from. And he mentioned today, I know on Facebook, that they're running some big specials to move some stuff out. And so if you're looking to buy a pinball machine, Tim, this may be the time to do it. So um, good stuff. But anyway, this game's LCD monitor is offset from the center. The artwork does help justify its position to the left, but it's still an unusual placement. And Tim, the biggest gripe I heard from people who are talking about this game is the offset LCD screen. But to be honest with you, I think it's cool. What do you think? Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it exactly. was exactly. I, I had no problem with it, but man, some of the pinball people were just—they were just really <laughs> ripping this game for an offset LCD. And I'm like, the artwork looks cool. It looks like it's kind of designed like that to me. I mean, it—it it really does look nice. So I mean, I, you know, it just depends, I guess, on who you are. But to me, I, I thought it looked good. The play field, and you guys can see some pictures at pinballnews.com at this uh, URL that we have on the screen here. The play field to me was a little bare looking, but you got to remember this is probably more. I mean, for American Pinball more of a budget game. So um, so you're not going to have quite the toys that you had on some of their other games. But to me, it looked like fun. I look forward to playing it. Would have gotten to play it at the Texas Pinball Festival probably. But obviously that's not going to happen, Tim. So um, it is what it is. But uh, anyway, it still looks cool to me. Um, what are your first impressions just based on what you've seen? Oh, yeah. I think that just, you know, you never know till you really play it and just you know because all you're looking at is a theme i love the theme i love the artwork and stuff so just gonna have to really play it to give a full uh pledge opinion but overall it's pretty positive right now absolutely same here tim so i look forward to playing it hopefully we'll get a chance to play it at um if not texas pinball festival tim um still kind of want to go to the hag this year so maybe we'll try to do that or maybe we'll have to make a trip to our distributor in dallas and see how they're doing so uh, one or the other we'll figure it out um delusional is heading out so thanks for joining us tonight delusional um and then michael says Thank someone you. needs to make a sesame street pinball table like the one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve cartoon that they had on the show <laughs> so there you go yeah then you can homeschool your kids right now with it go play <laughs> exactly pinball. Uh, one of the one of the things i don't know if you saw the april fool's joke but i think it was i don't know if it was pinball news or i think it was maybe pinball magazine they they put that um stern was gonna do a frozen pinball machine obviously it was an april fool's no. joke but um you know, to be honest with you, I think my, my daughter would probably really dig that. So, yeah. <laughs> but Tiger King is getting my exactly. Mind. So, um, but I'm looking forward to playing Hot Wheels. Tim, there's a lot of games that I haven't gotten to play in a while, just because you know we haven't really been to shows or anything, and we missed the Texas Pinball Festival. So, I'm really hoping I get to play Hot Wheels as well as this next title, Heist. Now, Tim, have you seen Heist? That's the, it's basically the new kit game on the Multimorphic P3 platform. Have you seen it? You know, I just when after when you sent me the outline was the first I'd heard of it, so I really don't know much about it except for what I read that article that I thought was pretty Yeah, cool. and actually I mean I think the theme is really neat and I'll read this here for everybody. It says Multimorphic has announced Heist, their full their third full featured game, complete with a dedicated play upper play field module and a comprehensive gameplay package the the action takes place in ocean city where a crack team of experts work together to take down the king of the city frank bigelow aka mr big existing p3 owners can add heist to their system for 27.50 so tim if you've already invested in the p3 platform we, like we know a lot of people have then you can get this for an additional 27.50 which is a which is 
less than half of what a new pinball machine would cost you. And you basically get a whole new game. Now, again, the P3 platform is more expensive than a traditional pinball machine would be. But you with these kits, that's really where they make up the value, right? Yeah. And Tim, you know, the, uh, just, I mean, from the description, it sounds like, you know, you're trying to pull off this heist and you have to unlock different people who have different skills, which is really neat. So it kind of reminds me, you know, I have X-Men, Tim, and on X-Men, you have to kind of do the same thing. You have to unlock all the X-Men, right? And so on this, it's kind of the yeah. same thing. You're trying to pull off this major heist and you're unlocking the different people that you need to pull it off. And so I always like that concept for a pinball machine because it makes sense. It's easy to understand and, you, and it's easy to tell the player where the targets are. So, but, um, so did you get to read the article at all? And, and what do you think of it just after seeing it? Well, I think it, you know, any, we like anything from Multimorphic and it sounds like, you know, they keep being more creative, uh, with different ways and stuff. So if I definitely had the P3 game, I would, I would definitely want to invest in it. Yeah. And you know, there's really no reason not to invest in these kits. I mean, I know 2750 is not cheap. Okay. But if you're a pinball fan and you already have a P3, I mean, you're getting this for the fraction of what a brand new machine would cost you, like a brand new pinball machine as a whole. So, I mean, it's really makes sense for you to go ahead and invest in this. And the theme looks great. The play field looks really neat. The little back play field, the upper play field that they're going to be shipping with it. And so I think uh, for a lot of people, uh, this is going to be a must have for their p3 platform system so and we want to wish jerry and his team the best and just love seeing them crank out stuff out of austin there tim great stuff here and then tim we have um betson enterprises releases information about resources for covid19 that could help your business during this difficult time tim you sent me this article and um, we posted it on our facebook page but we also wanted to mention it here tim we know that we have a lot of people who may own fecs family entertainment centers who may have uh may have financial commitments to Betson because maybe they're, you know, they're trying to pay off their games or whatever the case may be. Betson Enterprises has released information about the resources for COVID-19 that could help your business. This includes contacting their financial services department. If you need assistance, you can also email them at credit at Betson.com. And so Tim, I think they're going to help a lot of people who may need uh, some relief during this time. Obviously, Tim, a lot of FECs are not open due to the, um, due to the restrictions placed on them by either a county, city, state, government, whatever the case may be. And so hopefully if you contact Betson, they can help you out with maybe some of the expenses that you have, um, maybe put your loan on hold or whatever the case may be. But we do encourage that you call Betson if you're in that boat so that way you can get help. Tim, another thing we want to mention is that the, you know, obviously they've released these um, loans from the Small Business Administration. If you call If you call your local bank, you can get basically an almost interest-free loan of, of quite a bit of money um, to help you stay afloat during this time if you own your own business. So um, we want to encourage you that if you're in a difficult situation and you need some help, you may contact your local bank to see about getting one of these very low interest um, SBA loans for your business to help you stay afloat. So Tim, anything else you want to mention on that? No, I just, you know, like I said, if if we find out any other information, we'll try to post as quick as we can. Yeah, and, you know, Betson, of course, uh, uh, Tim, I know that, um, you know, a lot of places finance their games through Betson because Betson, you know, provides new games for for different family entertainment centers. And so if you're in the boat, definitely contact them and see if they can help you out in some way. That may be not making payments for a while. That may be refinancing your loan. I don't know exactly what all that's going to entail, but I'm sure they're going to work with you because they understand, Tim, just like we all understand, that this is a very unique time in our in our history and that 
you know, you may need a little help if your business isn't open. So make sure that you contact them. Uh, Betson.com, right, Tim? And then, of course, credit at Betson.com if you want to contact the financial services department. Okay, Tim. Well, I think that about does it as far as the um, discussion and uh, news section of our of our stuff. So, Tim, I do have our our usual reminders here, but I do want to get to some live chat stuff before we continue on. Danny says, "Have you guys ever had had too many arcade projects at once?" And I would say all the uh-huh. time. I would say that. Let's see. When did I start collecting? So it's been about 25, 30 oh, years now. Oh, I know. Now. Yeah. I mean, it, when you have yeah. kids and, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time to work on games. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. We're right. always busy around here. We're always doing stuff. So um, I have a project list of stuff I want to get done. Just doesn't get done very often. And Tim, really, if, if something's working pretty well, I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, if it stops working altogether, it's probably when it's going to get the attention. So, I mean, you know, uh, just because of the limited time. But um, always have arcade repairs on our plate at all times. Um, always have too many because, you know, the time is, is always short around here. So um totally understand that all the time. But here's the nice thing, Tim, about arcade projects is they'll wait on you. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you get around to them in your time. So absolutely. Michael says, I rebuilt a Firepower uh, and a KI2 simultaneously. I thought I'd have one... One fixed, moved to the other, and then rinse and repeat. Took me a year to get both perfect. Yeah, sometimes you have to move back and forth, Tim, because what happens is that you fix something on this project, something else goes wrong, you get frustrated with it, you need to move to something else to show that you can get some success, and you kind of move back and forth until you get it all fixed. So That's it. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, um, Louie posted a, um, a link to the smallbusinessadministration.gov. Uh, for those people who may need it, this is very important, Tim, because there are a lot of people do not, and, and this is this is why I encourage people, Tim, do do not hesitate to get these loans if you need them. So because I mean, you know, if you need right. them, you need them, and you know, it, it, there's no shame yep. in taking a loan right now, even if you, I mean, even if you've never had a loan before, there's no shame in taking it right now because it can help you stay afloat. And you know, if you've got a good business, then you're going to pay it back. And the interest rate is low, 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 low. So take advantage of this while you can, for sure. Uh, let's see. John says it would be cool to have RK Jason as a guest on your show one day. I'd love to have more guests on our show. You know, I mean, and hopefully we can, John, at some point. Um, you know, obviously the Skype seems to be working pretty well with Tim. So hopefully at some point when Tim joins me back in here, we can have another guest on the line that we can talk to. But um, I don't know about trying this with multiple guests. Uh, we may have to try that off here and see how it works before we go live with it. So, okay, Tim, I think we are caught up. So let us go ahead and move to our final bit of announcements here. And the first one, of course, is that we want your arcade-related videos. Want some free advertising for your YouTube channel? We're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send a link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff, our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put in a plug-in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And Tim, obviously we started doing this because um, when YouTube uh, started demonetize channels that uh, did not meet their new threshold, we were trying to help those people so they could get monetized again. So that was a big deal. Um, but again, if you guys want that, please let us know. I think Tim is uh, texting over there. I see you, Tim. So, uh, Yeah, I'm trying to... Uh, um... Uh, I understand. I understand. We're keeping going. I got you. I got you, bud. I'll hold you up. Here we go. 
so we have our contact information, guys. Uh, you guys can send your questions into questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. If you put live show on the subject, you'll get it mentioned here on the show. Otherwise, we'll try to get around to it whenever we get some time. But again, that's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. We also have our YouTube page. And if you're watching this on YouTube, of course, you're already here. But you may be listening to this on the podcast feed. And if you are, you can visit youtube.arcaderepairtips.com to see the YouTube version of this show and to see the after show. Tim, we don't put the after show on the podcast feed. So if you want the after show with all of the talk of the Tiger King, make sure that you go to our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And of course, comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. Tim, I think we had one or two that were left on the last live show that we got to this this month so great stuff and tim we have the podcast of course and that's with eric and rusty and tim of course their their arcade is shut down right now too and so i'm hoping at some point they'll be able to get around to a new podcast episode but um, if you guys want to email eric and rusty go ahead and do that at podcast at arcade repair tips.com podcast at arcade repair tips.com and make sure you subscribe at itunes.arcade repair tips.com or stitcher.arcade repair tips.com so you can listen to their regular episodes and tim of course we also put the live show audio up there as well not the after show but the actual live show so if you want to hear that you can go there and tim i like to mention too that we are on spotify so if you want to uh, listen to us on Spotify, make sure you do a search for Arcade Repair Tips. You will find us, and uh, you can subscribe there as well. Tim, Spotify is my music platform of cho- choice. It's not actually my podcast platform, but it is my music pod- platform of choice. And so some people do podcasts there. If you do, we're there as well. And then we also want to talk about our social media page- pages that Louie and Mark do such a great job of updating. And Louie was here tonight, Tim, being one of our mod- moderators. I'm going to give a round of applause to Louie for posting all sorts of links and things like that tonight because he did an excellent job. But he also does an excellent job on our Facebook and Twitter feed. So make sure that if you want to see all of Louie's posts and Mark's posts and my posts, that you go to facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and like our page. Or if you don't want to do that, you can always get the same information on our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. We have always great links to arcade-related stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll find some great information posted up there that you will find useful. So, Tim, I think that's about it for um, for this episode as far as the regular episode goes. Is there anything that you would like to mention as far as the, um, the teaser for the after show? We do have exclusive information on Tiger King. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm getting a, getting a report. Exclusive information yeah. on Tiger King. Hang on. Everybody who's actually met Joe Exotic right now. Oh, there we go. We got one right there. (laughs) So So there you go. Now, he's in jail right now, right? Yeah, and, uh, you know, Jonathan, one thing I was reading was he, um, you know, it was reported that he was being isolated because there was some uh, COVID outbreak in jail. But I am reading now that he actually does, they are treating him in a a medical uh, prison hospital wow. for it. So uh, he's being isolated because people are, are on the inside are saying wow. that he okay. does have well- it. There you go. So uh, prayers for for Joe Exotic uh, while he's in jail. But we're going to be talking about what we think of Tiger King here in the after show if you guys want to stay stay tuned for that. And, of course, you'll be breaking your exclusive, right, Tim? 
So we'll be doing that. We'll also yeah. be talking mm-hmm. about just general COVID-19 updates. How are you doing? How we're doing? Uh, we'll be talking about Tim's investment portfolio, which right now sucks, I'm sure. And then we'll be also talking about uh, the non-existent <laughs> sports territory. Um, but Tim, maybe some uh, some possibilities for what may be the upcoming MLB season. We'll be talking about that. Some cord cutting talk and, of yeah. course, movies and TV shows we've been watching. So make sure that you stay tuned for the after show right after the show um, if you're on YouTube or if you're on the podcast, make sure you check out the YouTube page for that. Tim, is there anything else that you want to say before we head out for the after show? No, thanks everybody for tuning in and participating in the live chat. I wish I could have read all the stuff, but thank you, Jonathan. You did a great job of moderating. I tried to do my best, so, um, but uh, it, it's a little bit different, Tim, with the show, but I think we're getting the hang of it now uh, after doing it for a little bit. But we do want to thank everybody, Tim, who was here tonight in the live chat. Man, we had a great chat with you guys. Thanks for being here. We want to thank all the people who donated tonight, Tim. Um, I think we have $50 tonight so we're going to be finding a good charity now wow. obviously tim um, youtube and paypal are going to take a cut of that so whatever portion we get is going to be going to um some charity that that will hopefully help those who have been affected by covid19 because it's just too important for us not to do that tim so uh, we will be doing that and once we do that we'll announce on the next live show where all that money went but we do want to thank anybody who donated tonight for that it's just great stuff so tim anything else Nope. I'll see, see you in my after show. Oh, okay. Gonna <laughs> Tim's going to switch rooms while we're um, switching into the after show. But thank you guys if you're getting off here for joining us tonight. And uh, Tim, our next show will be obviously in May. We look forward to seeing you then. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, there you go. I'll let you Tim take us out. Game. And uh, we'll see you in the after show. If not, we'll see you next month. Take care, everybody. See you here in a bit or later. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.